Jam-packed to the rafters, let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Wrestling fans, and welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys for being with us here for episode 256. It is Monday, January the 24th, 2022. We're here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling. As always, I'm Joe Murata, joined by Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy, diddy. We are really just barging through the winter here, just huh? barging. It's so cold. Your apartment has been cold lately, huh? Yeah, um, which is rare. It is rare. It's, it's usually it, hot. It, it's it's very cold. You know what's very cold, too? Our takes on retro wrestling. Oh. <laughs> We're going to romp you through them, folks. Thank you so much for being back with us here for another week in the world of retro wrestling. We have some topics in store for you. But before we get to any of that, I want to remind you of a couple of things. If you have a Twitter, follow us there real quick. At OVP Podcast on Twitter. Daily gifts. It's a lot of fun. That's at OVP Podcast on Twitter. You can also email us if you want to at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. That is OVP Podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, if people want to talk to you and me and like 1,300 other retro wrestling fanatics, where may they go? Over at Facebook.com slash Wrestling Fanatics. No, that's our site. Yeah, we own it. <laughs> We also own the search bar up there. What do you do? You type in the search bar, our vantage point, dash, retro wrestling podcast, bing, bang, boom, tubes, gore, kaflui, and you hit the join group and you're in. And all you're agreeing to to join our group is one rule, one rule only, which is don't be what? A dunderhead. Don't be a dunderhead. And all we mean by that is if you want to talk about old wrestling, that's what the group is for. Talk about old wrestling. The and old. Little, yeah, the old stuff. Specifically. Yes. And a little bit of pop culture, you know, retro pop culture yeah. is fine too. If you want to talk about Wheaties in the <laughs> 80s or something <laughs> like that. Nintendo in the 80s. Yeah, maybe. You can do that. What we mean by don't be a dunderhead is don't be mean to each other. You know, if you disagree with somebody about how good Billy Gunn is or something like that, well, <laughs> do it, but do it nicely. Meaning, don't you don't call them a jerk or a duty. Right. You know, a duty. I don't mean, say if that. you talk shit about Billy Gunn on there, you might, Billy Gunn fact might show up. He might, he might <laughs> pop in. Yeah. He's been known to teleport in. He really only pops in when people <laughs> besmirch Billy Gunn. So all we mean is just have fun. No personal attacks and things like that. Just have fun talking about old wrestling. It's supposed to be fun anyway. And that's on Facebook. Also, if you've liked OVP for a couple of days or even a couple of years and you want extra content, we do have that available. We have this weekly show here on Mondays. And we also have two extra shows on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. The 1984 canon is on there. That's where we're going through every episode of Championship Wrestling in order. We're in the summer of 84 right now. And monthly WWF pay-per-view reviews. The latest one out, SummerSlam 94. And coming up in a couple of weeks for February is Quinn's personal favorite, Survivor Series 94. <sighs> Brett Backlund. Yeah. Queasy will be there. Yeah. <laughs> Can't well, wait for Queasy. At least Dink will be there. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. I'm going to make my life better <laughs> a little it. bit. A little bit of comfort in all of that. And if you want a little bit of comfort with OVP, just go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But Michael, mm -hmm. we're more than halfway through the season now. And I've really liked our new opening segment uh, for this time around. What we're talking about, folks, is when a wrestler, wrestlers, leave one promotion and they go to another one. Perhaps it's WWF to WCW or vice versa. 
normally this is something that has somewhat of an effect yes. on the wrestler, on the promotion they left, on the promotion they joined. And we're talking all about that this season in a new segment called The Jump. Should I stay or should I go? Might as well jump! Jump! Welcome back to The Jump, where we are talking about some pretty interesting jumps that were made in the world of retro wrestling in the 80s, the 90s, maybe even the 2000s. And uh, we have been taking your suggestions. Feel free to still drop those suggestions. You know what was interesting, Michael? Yes. Probably because this one was so obvious. I mean, we were probably going to do this regardless. Only one person suggested this. I think because everyone saw it coming. Yeah. We are talking about Scott Hall. And Kevin Nash. You people. What's with him? You know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. Thank you, Tony Torres, by the way, for being the one person to suggest this. The lone suggester. So, Hall and Nash probably have, along with maybe another guy that was with them, the most famous impactful jump. Yes. Of the 90s, anyway. This was a big deal, obviously, when Scott Hall and Kevin Nash jumped from the WWF to WCW in 96. However, let's backtrack on why that mattered, right? So Kevin Nash had been in WCW in the early 90s, Mm -hmm. first as the Master Blasters. (laughs) What? He was Steel in the Master (laughs) Blasters. Would he play the NES game? Iron Steel, the Master Blasters! They were kind of like, if you're not familiar, they're kind of like another Road Warrior-esque team. Oh, that. Crap. Powers of Pain and all those, mm-hmm. right? And they weren't very good. And then he came back as Oz. Yes. Oh, the great and powerful Joe's favorite. <laughs> Stop it. It's not Wizard accurate. of Oz fan thick. Looks nothing wrestler. like him. Yeah. Stop, yeah thick, very thick. As Oz kicks Sting on the outside, but the Stinger right up on the top rope. And then after that, he was Vinny Vegas, his best WCW character, uh-huh. obviously. Yeah. Well, first off, let me tell you something, Big Josh, your pancake-eating fat boy from the Northwest. Well, that's the one where Shawn Michaels was like, that's pretty good. Vince, can you, like, get him? <laughs> yep. Like, that's that's how that happened. That's literally how it happened. They He used to watch uh, WCW when he saw the Vinny Vegas character. I think, it's, I think it's also amusing to think of, like, Shawn Michaels after being on the road, like, 300 days a year, like, in, an, in a fucking hotel yeah. watching fucking WCW Saturday Night <laughs> yeah, or some shit. Literally. <laughs> yeah. And so, oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah. So, they get Kevin Nash in there, obviously, in June of 1993 is Shawn Michaels' bodyguard. And he goes on from there. Let's go to Scott Hall now. He was big Scott Hall elsewhere. He was a Gator Scott Hall briefly. <laughs> I've never seen that one. He was like Skinner. Oh, man. Kind of. That's terrible. Scott Gator Hall. And then in 1991 in WCW, he was, again, his best WCW version to that point, the Diamond Stud. You couldn't beat my on your best day. The Diamond one. And the Diamond one was very similar to what would become in the summer of 92, Razor Ramon, mm-hmm. an idea that Scott Hall obviously thought of entirely on his own. Right. If you ask totally, Vince. totally unique <laughs> until Vince saw the movie later or something. It I was, forget what happened. Probably in like 2003. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, they, wait, they that, ripped off Razor Ramon, yeah, damn it. <laughs> yeah. What year is this? <laughs> yeah, Pat. Anyway, uh, so obviously Scott Hall then went to WWF in the summer of 92. Kevin Nash met him there in the summer of 93. Joined up with Shawn Michaels and Shawn Waltman, and eventually Triple H uh, was their driver. Yes, the driver. <laughs> the designated driver. He, he didn't do anything else. He really didn't. And they were known as the Click uh, informally, and it was really great. Not. Anyway, Razor Ramon had a great career, Quinn. Yes. Once he got going as a face, especially. I mean, his 94 
is very good. Very, very good, right? Mm-hmm. And he remained very popular to the end of his w- WWF True. run. And Kevin Nash even exceeded that by winning all three titles within a year mm-hmm. in 1994. It's a big push for the Nash. Big push for Nash. Yeah. And then he had a, a run as WWF champion, not particularly well received in 95 mm-hmm. and it led to the best version of him when he turned heel tweener around very, Survivor Series very good right and when he would rip the leg off the guy yeah. and then right. and, and hit Shawn Michaels with it and oh. it was funny <laughs> <laughs> that's for in simple terms he ripped the leg off the guy and it was funny yeah that's what happened I mean it was fake it was. I, the guy knew with the leg yeah don't, they, don't worry he was in on it mad dog Vashon. yeah mad dog Vashon. by the way yeah so anyway in early 96, Razor Ramon started making noise about wanting to leave, wanting to get more money. It's mm-hmm. always about money, right? right. It happens. Hey, yo, Vince. You need more money. That's how he talks yeah. in real life. Hey, yo, Vince. Chico. <laughs> and Vince is like, well, no. And Scott Hall had also had some other issues going on. And he gets a hold of WCW, signs a contract with them, tells Kevin Nash, and Kevin Nash also signs with them. Wasn't it something like he meant to Scott? Hall mentioned how much they were paying him or something. Sting money. He referred to it as sting money. He probably didn't give him a real number. I think, no. no the, knowing those guys. The number I heard, and I don't know if this is true, you guys can check, was $750,000 a year with sting money. Nash, who's notoriously all about the money. I just want to fucking make the money. Fucking pay me. I, I'm pretty sure he's actually like expressed like how he kind of like his jaw dropped. Yeah. Like, and you don't have to work those dates. Right. Like, And then he was like, immediately calls up Eric Bischoff. And you got to remember this, the context here, right? Two things. WCW was giving away guaranteed contracts, which WWF was not. Right. They had a downside guarantee, which was low, and then you could make more depending which on... Which was extremely attractive to guys working 300 days a year, like I said with Sean. Yep. Right? Was that... Guaranteed. That working 300 days a year, not getting paid as much because the company was in a downturn. And here comes this billion-dollar company that says, we'll give you guaranteed money, and you only have to work like 100 and something days. It's <laughs> yeah. like half the time or something. And they're Crazy. like, sign me up! And honestly... You know, people like to crap on WCW like this was stupid that they gave away. There was no incentive for them to be good or whatever. Which is but true. They, but also, the shape WCW was in prior, they were like, we need to get the best people we could possibly get. True. And and if they had the money to throw around, really, this was a smart idea. Sure. Not even outbid Vince as much as they were like just offering more attractive offers how do you think vince got all those people in the mid 80s it right. wasn't for not paying them right you exactly know? of course so yeah no you're totally right and they had already picked up you got to remember this is wcw has nitro going against raw they're winning for the most part mm-hmm. they've already picked up hulk hogan mm-hmm. randy savage lex luger and many others but those are the three really big ones that they had picked up already yes. so the final television appearances of both Diesel and Razor Ramon are at the April 96 Good Friends, Better Enemies. That's the thing with the leg that yeah, Quinn was talking about. Yeah. And Razor just randomly loses to Vader. Here comes the Razor's edge! Oh, they get stuck! I guess they can. <laughs> oh! 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 All the talk I've heard on different documentaries or whatever, it was like, Vince didn't want to lose them. He wasn't like aiming to crap on them on the way out. No, he right? was appreciative he, of them. Right. He wanted like he wanted them to stay. Sure. Right? Yeah, he just couldn't afford it. Yeah. So, May 19th, 1996, most people know the curtain call incident. This is Hall and Nash's last WWF show entirely. It wasn't televised, although mm-hmm. WWF had cameras there, just not the curtain call. I guess they were turned off. This is where, after Sean defeated Diesel, and prior in the night, Triple H had defeated Razor Ramon. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, Horrible. Diesel wakes up, gives Sean a big hug, and Razor and Triple H, who just seem on the surface, he just seems out of place with those three. See, <laughs> you know what the funniest part to me about this is? It's like, who is this guy? Triple H tries to horn in here, right? <laughs> now, here's the deal. If I'm Vince, right, and I look at this, right, there's two things. I might be mad that this happened, right? Sure. However, I can understand Shawn Michaels, who's, you know, practically brought in one of these guys and has been best friends with these guys for, you know, three to four years now. Mm -hmm. He's the champion. So, you know, it doesn't matter. They're leaving, right? Yes. I can understand (laughs) Vince looking at Triple H and being like, what the fuck? (laughs) Who the fuck are you? Like, no, you're not part of this. Like, you need to go maintain kayfabe, right? Right. Like, that's, like, why I, like, don't even blame Vince for, like, punishing Triple H. Because it's just, like, once again, him trying to horn into something. You know what I mean? Yes, I do know. And you know what? This time it fucking backfired, Triple H. Yeah, it did. You know what I mean? Like, you can't... Because you know that was, like, slightly political so he could feel important. Yeah, you'll never be in charge of anything. Yeah. Uh, but in all seriousness, right? At least Diesel and Sean had been friends and on again, off again on screen. Mm-hmm. So you can make the argument, well, you know, Diesel's like, okay, fine, I'll hug you. And then Razor's a face anyway. Yeah. But Triple H just seems so random. But anyway, the kid says, oh, my God, the one yeah. that was filming it in WF likes him. Oh, my God. That was May 19th, 96. On the first ever two-hour Monday Nitro, eight days later, May 27th, right? We know the story. We got the Mauler is doing what? Mauling his opponent. And we are taking a look at the Mauler completely maul his opponent, Steve Dalton. And then suddenly through the crowd comes, unmistakably, Razor Ramon. This is why this jump is so good, right? As a kid, and you have to remember, this is like 1996, right? The dirt sheets existed, but it wasn't like the internet was rampant, so like not everyone knew everything. And we're 10, by the way. Yeah, it, most kids had no fucking clue. Right. And this is when wrestling was getting popular again, right? Kind of. And so most kids are like, what's going on here? Why is why is Razor Ramon at WCW? Like, that's how I thought, that's right? That's how I thought, too. And I remember him coming through, and I remember the whole segment playing out, and probably everyone's seen it ever, right? Mm-hmm. I remember at the end being like, I don't get it. Like, how is he, like, is this allowed? Is, right. Like, well, because of what he says, too. Yeah. You want a war? You're going to get one. And they kind of like left it at that, too. The other thing was like, I don't remember that big of a deal for the rest of the WCW show. Like, right. it, like it was just another segment. And I was like, I remember switching back to Raw and w- thinking, are they going to like talk about this? Right. Like, is this like part of that? I really thought like he was connected sure. somehow, right? Sure. With how it was. And I, I'm switching back. Is like Vince McMahon going to say anything on right. Raw or something like that? I don't know. I mean, WWF didn't say on television that they were leaving. No. That he was leaving, right? Exactly. And he had denim now. He had denim. <laughs> denim vest. To me, that was the most impactful part of it. Oh, yeah. Because when Kevin Nash came in later. A couple of weeks, yeah. Mm-hmm. With a hat, by the way. With a hat. Look at the adjective. Look at the adjective. Play. And I was like, oh, that's this is really cool. But again, I, I wasn't as blown away as Scott Hall in the gym. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, that was more of a big deal. Because once Scott Hall came in and a couple weeks went by, like, because it was like one or two weeks right yeah. before Kevin Nash came. Yeah, it wasn't then right I was away. like, Then I all of a sudden I had an expectation that other wrestlers would come with him. And they said they were going to have a third, right? Right. And we know the story of the NWO. We don't need to get into all of that. But mm-hmm. as far as the impact of Hall and Nash... 
Was it a perfect storm, Quinn? Because you figure if they just come in as wrestlers the way like Luger did, like, like at, slightly altered names and shit. Yeah, because they can't use the names. But you know how like when Luger came in, he was Lex Luger. And mm-hmm. it's just like, what the hell is he doing here? Randy Savage was exactly the same thing. Hogan was the same. Yeah, but that was like standard practice. Like people didn't think anything. It was the way they did it. Where It was the way too. where you were literally confused if. Is WF like coming in and like invading them right. or like what? Like that's what I thought. They I, all but said that. Yeah. Like I thought this is actually like the stuff that I was reading about in the wrestler magazine and stuff. Like that's real. Like that's really what's happening. Right. right? Yeah. It's like in the after mags or whatever. Quinn. Don't call them the after mags. Let me ask you a question. Would it have been as impactful if it was two other guys? Or did it have to be someone of their caliber? I think it needed to be somebody in their realm. Right. Upper mid Carter, or in yeah. Nash's case, former world champion. Right, it did. It couldn't have been. I mean, hell, they could. See, here's the thing: is Randy Savage, for example, could have done the same exact yes. thing as Hall if he was coming from WF, and I would have liked that. I would have done the same thing. I would have been like, oh, whoa. What you about know? Luger? Probably Luger yeah, too, Luger, right? Luger. Well, the first Luger thing. See, that always to me, looking retrospectively, was the prototype, right? Because Luger came in the day after SummerSlam or whatever. Right after. But he didn't really say anything. He kind of just looked while he wore a puffy shirt. And I was like, okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's like, I don't like Hulk Hogan. Right. <laughs> or whatever it was. That was different. But what Hall said, like, right. was, was also part of the whole thing that, like, they were basically challenging them in a manner where you thought, he doesn't work for WCW. He's from WF, and he's tired of their shit. They're invading. Right. Like, well, enough of you guys already. Because remember, also, Bischoff was like talking all this horse shit about WWF on air. Yeah, of course. Like, you know what I mean? Like, on the on the commentary. Isn't like WWF where Goldust is winning right now. <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, where they would, like, acknowledge. Yes, though. So, like, this whole thing was, like, this kind of, like, manifestation of like what had been kind of like batted around very subtly. And the impact of what they did. So not only did they say these things, they powerbomb Bischoff through a table. Later, yes. A little bit later, yeah. A couple weeks later. Pre-Hogan, I'm saying. Yeah. And then they just start attacking people. Right. And obviously once Hogan comes in, they continue on. So I think, yeah, I think you're right though. It could have been anyone of their caliber, but credit to Scott Hall and Kevin Nash because they actually played it perfectly. Right. They sold it really well. It was convincing. It didn't seem cheesy, right? No, I thought it was real. It was very like, gritty. Yeah, it, it's, again, it's it's up there in the this might be real storylines with like the Pillman's got a gun and stuff right. like that, right? It's in that class. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Of, of just like, I know wrestling's fake, but that's kind of like this... This it doesn't real, seem right? scripted or anything. What's going on right here, right? Exactly. So I think it's a perfect storm, right? It was the right. timing of everything. WCW launching their first two-hour Nitro, right? Mm-hmm. They're bringing I in... I didn't even remember that part. <laughs> That's what like, it was. I, I still thought, uh, yeah. Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. They bring in Razor Ramon as Razor Ramon for a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's acting like him. They're former WWF guys that were just on TV. Yeah. Like with Hogan, it was a year. I will say the one thing that made it seem like they really did jump that we didn't even mention. This is a rant. This is a very, very small detail. Go ahead. But calling them by their real names yeah. made it seem like this is not okay. Like they're like they're using their real names like they really shouldn't be here. You know what I mean? Good like point. I always thought that was clever. Yeah. Like using their legit names. Absolutely. Like, that, you know, that's a great point. Actually, they didn't yeah. give them a gimmick name or anything like that. No, because it made them seem like they really didn't belong here because right. you never heard wrestlers with their real names back then. 
Like, you yeah, know what I mean? Unless so, that was their ring name. Like, it really did seem like they were breaking some kind of rule. Absolutely. That it's like, we're not going to refer to him as Razor Ramon. Right. Because that's, <laughs> they're, they're breaking the rules. This is, this is real life. Yeah. You know we're not going to call him Razor. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we refuse to acknowledge that. Right. You know? So let's talk about the impact real quick here. From a career uh, point of view for Hall and Nash, one million percent the right move. Yeah. Work less. Mm-hmm. Make more money than they've ever made. Yeah, even and be featured in the <laughs> biggest thing they ever could possibly be in. Right on the back end of their career. By by that I mean like late thirties, approaching forty. Mm-hmm. But working less and making more money. I mean, come on. They made one hundred percent the right decision, <laughs> yeah. regardless of how WCW as a company ended up or no, whatever. Like truly for them specifically. For, for them specifically, this was a lovely, wonderful career move. Absolutely, like they, they did. They did nothing wrong. No, like, no, they just got a better job. I hate when people say that it's like, wow, those assholes or whatever, like they only care about themselves. I'm like, do you see this business? And you like, see how hard it is to do? Yeah, like it's like you kind of got to look out for yourself a little bit. You like, do. You, you can't. It's not all about having a good wrestling match every night. You, you know? can't have like weird blind loyalty to like the companies. Like you just you wind ca- up like Bret Hart. Right, exactly. You, you got to just say like, which one's going to offer me the best deal? Yeah. You know, I have a family that needs to. That's know, Kevin Nash, especially, yeah, right? I don't disagree there. Kevin Nash, I never had an issue with his logic <laughs> with stuff, right? He's like, this shit hurts. It's hard to fucking do. If I can make more money doing it less, I'm going to do it. Yeah. To this day, when he shows up on like a YouTube video, I'm I'm always have no doubt that like he like somebody said, "Hey Nash, we'll pay you like a thousand bucks if you like come on here and like hang out with us." He's like, "Okay, it's business. We'll fucking like, do it." Yeah. It's, uh, Go uh, take care of my kids. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, obviously, WCW a no brainer. They made a great decision there by bringing them in. Perfect pickups, those two. They really were. And I think the success of the angle, regardless of how they handled it up to and including Starcade '97, Quinn. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it set WCW on fire. So there's no doubt there. It made WWF look like big dorks, though. <laughs> it made them look blind to the situation that was like the WCW versus WWF thing. Because they were putting out like the worst shit against this, too. But it's not even that. It's also the like, how do you not see the writing on the wall? Right. Like, this is where the stuff where they had to learn their lesson about no compete, why they needed it. Right. Well, you yeah, know, that's one thing. You know what I mean? Like that. This is an, a prime example of why you need a no compete thing in the contract right like right because then there's a gap and then it doesn't seem as big of a deal yeah i don't know yeah i don't know what the terms were on that uh but it did it really hurt the wwf in the short term obviously long term i think one could argue it wound up being good for them because it forced the wwf to catch up and change what they were doing mm-hmm so there is a lot of impact here from Hall and Nash, honestly. I agree. I mean, it wasn't intended, you know, that WWF would eventually exceed WCW again no. by playing catch up and adopting. But what a jump those two were. And I figure they're really one of the more impactful, especially of the 90s. Jumpity jump. Jumpity jump, folks. So again, you can put in your suggestions, still do that on our Facebook group. And let us know what you think of Hall and Nash's jump over to WCW. Could it have been anyone else? What would have happened if it was anyone else? Or did it have to be them? And did it have to be right then and there? Let us know that. You can do that on Twitter. You can do that on Facebook. Shoot us an email. Whatever you want to do. But Quinn, when we come back, it is week number three of the worst Royal Rumble matches of all time. That's right. It's the Royal Flush. And that is coming up right after this. I feel the hunger. It's a hunger. to keep a man We want to know 
who your three guys are. Is it, is it the uh, Nacho Man? I don't think so. And what about, what about the immortal Huckster? You know, you tell billionaire Ted to break out the money and get anybody you can because the big man and the medium-sized man and our surprise buddy are gonna carve them up. I wanna ask you a question right now. He's had his say. Who are they, man? Who are they? Come I on. can't tell you. I'll tell you tomorrow night on Nitro. That's the deal. You can't tell us? You don't jack us around, don't jack Oh, for Christ! Whoa! What are they doing? Security! Get up there right now! For, oh, for... And now, back to your romp through the world of retro wrestling. O-V-P. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you for being with us here. It's episode 256. It's Monday, January 24th, 2022. Quinn was just checking out the uh, Ron Popeil infomercial. I want that rotisserie oven. They still make it. The new one. You can get it from like anybody, like Amazon, Home Depot, Walmart. They all got it. If anyone wants to chip in and get Quinn a, a birthday present, may. It's like $150 still, which is stunning to me. <laughs> like, right? It's like, doesn't that seem too expensive? I'll tell you what's not expensive though, Michael. What? Our Patreon. Oh, really? Yes. It's not It's not as much as the Showtime? Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. No, it is not. Okay. The most you're going to pay on our Patreon, folks, is five bucks a month, and that's wow. for everything. Yeah. There's even a $2 plan. Here's the deal. If you like what we do and you want more of it, or you just want to support us, go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast right now and just check it out, right? There's two tiers, like we mentioned earlier. The 1984 Canon is on the $2 tier. This is a fun show. It's a whole thing. You have Don't to, worry about you it. You have to get engaged in it because we've gone all the way back to 82. We did all of 83. Now we're in the summer of 84. We're going to keep going. It'll eventually be the 85 canon. Eventually it'll be superstars. So a, they're going to change the name of the show on us. We'll still be doing it, folks. Yeah. Check it out. It's in video or audio form, and it's only 2 bucks a month. And then also, the coup de grace, if you will, the Showtime rotisserie of our Patreon. The coup de grace. The cup of grass yeah. is our pay-per-view reviews. And these are full-length shows that are like three and a half hours or so, usually. People anticipate them. They come out in the beginning of every month. And we go through every WWF pay-per-view in order. We started with the first WrestleMania out right now. Like I said, SummerSlam 94. In a few weeks, it'll be Survivor Series time. We keep going on from there. My encouragement to you is if you just want to try it out, see what you think, sample the content, and if you don't like it, just cancel. It happens. We're okay with it. Yeah, we're fine. We don't get upset. You know, I will say this. The best part about our pay-per-view reviews is that you can set it and forget it. There you go. So remember to go over to patreon.com slash OVP podcast if you want to support us. All right, Michael. Royal Flush. Royal Flush. Now, this is a great time because we're talking about the worst Royal Rumble matches again this week. But first, what is the Royal Rankings and Royal Flush? Well, each season before the season starts, we've asked you, the fans, to give us a list of your top 10 of something and your bottom 10 of something. And for this season, it was Royal Rumble matches, which is perfect. It's January right now. Makes mm -hmm. sense, right? Royal Rumble time. What happens if we take all of your votes, we put them into two separate tanks, one for the best, one for the worst. We pull out two names at a time, and then we rank them. That way, by the end of the season, what you will have is the definitive, ordained, baptized, certified, non-GMO, USDA certified organic and healthy, best and worst Royal Rumble matches of all time. So this is a flush week. This is, is the worst. The worst shit. 
Yep. It's stinky. It's bad. It's poo-poo. Yeah, it, it, it's unmemorable and all the things. Yep. Yeah. And there's uh, only four names on. This is week number three. So we're going to run down the four that are on the board right now. At number one, the heinously offensive Royal Rumble 2015. Heinously anus. It's awful. <laughs> I don't know if anything could beat that Royal Rumble. I don't either. It, it's tough. It is tough. And right behind it at number two, also bad, but it was more... We were more naive that year. It was part of the trifecta. There's, right. <laughs> there's three Royal Rumbles that are notoriously bad, and they're all on this list. Yes. So number two is 2014. <laughs> number three is Ass. It's good if you like Timothy Well in your Royal Rumbles. Yeah. And Dick Mo Murdoch. And Dick Murdoch and, and uh, Crush randomly. And that's 1995. And mm-hmm. then number four, the best of the trifecta that Quinn was referring to, but it's still... Uh, it's still s- terrible. It's like the best toilet. Uh, 2016 at number four. I feel like somebody needs to do a case study on those three <laughs> Royal Rumbles like in a row. I think Peter Costco was already thinking yeah, about it's it. Like, somebody it, it's was. absurd. It is. Like, what even is that three years <laughs> right. of Royal Rumble? Not fun. Uh, so, yeah, like Quinn said, the, a bad Royal Rumble is unmemorable. Or if it's memorable, it's not for a good reason. One of the things, Quinn, that we've talked about a lot in contrast to a good Rumble, like a good Rumble, right? We talked about Royal Rumble 92 last week. Mm-hmm. We've talked about 2008 was very fun. In 97, there's action. Things are happening. Yeah. There's storylines within the Rumble. It's memorable. It's moments. got a hot ending. Yeah, moments. moments. The bad ones have none of that. It's What's Royal Rumbling? It's where you're just laying around and you know they're doing the thing where it's like, I got leverage. And he's like <laughs> trying to dump them over, but nothing's happening. So you know that it doesn't matter. Right. Like, like vague forearms that aren't doing anything. I, there, there's, there's nothing I hate more than Royal Rumbling. In a Royal I, Rumble? Yeah, like it's like, please, like at least do something. Right. Like, you know what I mean? And one of our other things is where someone will come out and everyone lays on the mat and watches them do their spots with somebody else the whole yeah. time. It's so well, jumpy. Especially if, okay. There's two versions of that I just want to describe. There's a version of that where people are royal rumbling while somebody's doing the That's spot. That's acceptable. That's acceptable. It's when they're all like, huh? And yeah. they like all just like lay on the ground like they're dead kind of, but they're also looking. And you're like, what? Like, why wouldn't they break it up or whatever? Why wouldn't they just all attack those two people yeah, exactly. and throw them out of the yeah, ring? That's what we're talking about. I mean, are there any friends or is it only foes? Only foes. Unlike what Hogan thinks it is, where it's like only everyone's his friend and he doesn't like anyone. Yeah, he can eliminate whoever he wants. Right. His friends or his foes. Or foes. Uh, But with that said, it is now time to find out who the next two are going to be. Before we do that, we got to go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Flush. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Batista. Shawn Michaels at this time is throwing his name into the many names that will be competing at the Royal Rumble in Fresno. Santino was never eliminated, remember? He never went over the top rope. A lot of fire in this youngster. It's the Royal Flush. Week three, Whoa. please. Stinky. Week number Hey, excuse Can me. We get it under control. Week number three of the Royal Okay, that's enough. Are you ever going to call, like, Captain Lou in his Mario mode to go fix that? Oh, that'd be nice. Him yeah. and Luigi. Welcome yeah. them both. Uh, so it's week number three of the Flush, folks. The worst Royal Rumbles uh, in Fresno, maybe. We'll have to find out. Mm-hmm. We've run down the four that are on the board. We've talked about the criteria. It is now time. If you're ready, Quinn, 
Hit it. Okay, let's all find out who drew number five. Randy Savage tries for the pin. Pinfalls don't count. Right. So he stinks at Royal Rumble. He does. We've this is like where they finally like really like let's really hit it on the head that Randy Savage <laughs> is bad at Royal Rumbles. That's right. Royal Rumble '93, everybody. Uh, the beginning of a great year. Uh, this was incidentally enough 29 years ago today, January 24th, '93. Really? A happy Incredi- anniversary. Incredible. Incredible. At the Arco Arena. Yeah, the Arco. Sacramento. Yeah. So, all right. This is what an anniversary. Not a. <laughs> Not a very good Royal Rumble. No. I know some people like it. I, I, hey, you like what you like. I always loved this event. I had to review it not long. <laughs> I know, Quinn. Yeah. Um, this is not that great of a Royal Rumble, honestly. It isn't. Um, it's not that good. To me, it really has always been the like entry point for decline. It really is, though. Like it, This show feels like that. It, it's like coming from 92, right? And then it's like, Here's 93 for you. Here's a list of nobody. You know, one of the things about this show is the Quinn and I watched it back not too long ago uh, for our review available in the archives. And the crowd is not that great. Gorilla and Bobby make the event seem better they, than they it is. They keep it tolerable. They do. Yeah. They really do. This is our last pay-per-view together. Mm-hmm. But anyway, folks, so the situation here, obviously the year before was for the world title. Right. This is the first year officially where the stipulation is the winner will go to WrestleMania and take on whomever the champion is. At Caesar's Palace. Succulent foods. Yeah. Where you will feast on succulent food. Well, the succulent starts it out. We even get a fucking, yeah, a long ass boring promo from Caesar. And Cleopatra. Well, she's there. Uh, They've come all the way from Caesar's Palace, not from Rome, Las Vegas. How far away is that from uh, Sacramento? Not as long as from Rome. No, not usually. And Bret Hart did defeat Razor Ramon in that excellent hot match earlier in the card. Horrible. It's not very good. Well, but remember we discovered Razor was he was injured during it. He was like fighting an injury, and also it stinks. Did anyway. he get that at the basketball game with you know Raymond Rougeau or whatever that was? <laughs> yeah, you're so funny, Rougeau. Yeah. Anyway, so Bret Hart currently the champion, and this is not a bad crowd. We got sixteen thousand there. Mm-hmm. It is not. Well, we'll just run it down. It is not that good of a Royal Rumble, though. I need to be honest. Even though I love 93. It's stinky. It's really kind of clunky and and boring. But anyway, number one was Ric Flair. Oh, look at this, number one. Now, this to me, all this is is a callback to like last year, except let's put him at number one instead of three, right? It's like, it's the same thing. But the funny part, See, here's the whole issue with Ric Flair in this Royal Rumble. Like, you would think, Ric Flair, that's good, right? Yeah. The problem is, is he's, like, leaving. Yeah, Like, he's literally, leaving. they're hyping the match <laughs> where he's going to lose and leave. Yeah, it airs the next day. Yes. It's already been taped. Like, this is just a courtesy appearance at this point. Like, yeah. this is just like, well, you've been good to me for the last year. I'm leaving. Here, I'll do this for you. Like, literally, it's Ric Flair fulfilling his dates. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. And Bobby, you can even tell because Bobby doesn't care. Yeah, that much. He's like, yeah, he was number three last year. What's another two spots, you know? Right, yeah. But anyway, number two, he just came back a couple of months prior, and they're billing him like the oldest man in the world, mm-hmm. even though he's Flair's age, is right. Bob Backlund. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, Bob Backlund, you know, trying once again here, the big comeback from Minnesota and all this. You know, I think I can win the Royal Rumble, Vince. Yeah. Now, the thing about Backlund is nobody cared in the, yeah. modern, in the modern era here in 93, 92, when he came back. The fans didn't care. 
Maybe you really at home think, did. I but. really think the genius of Bob Backlund eventually mattering is that they lulled you into thinking you shouldn't care. Like, that was, like, the whole setup. They took two years to, to make you not give a shit about him. They all but told you he's boring. Like, that yeah. was his gimmick without saying it. Right. He's very old school and traditional and boring and old. Also, he's very old. Yes. That was the gimmick, though. That was the gimmick. And, <laughs> you know, it would, again, it'll pay off maybe at, you know, the next pay-per-view review we're doing. There but, you go. Um, yeah. So Flair and Backlund, and that's cool, though, because Flair and Backlund were two huge names in the 80s also. Right. Number three, Papa Shango. Still here. Quickly dumped out by yeah. Flair. Yeah, he's there for a while. Number four, a veteran of Royal Rumbles, but by this point, he's very much in tag mode. Yes. Teddy DiBias. Ted DiBias. He's in for a bit here, though, he considering is. last year and his back problems, and he left, like, immediately. Good point. Yeah. 24 minutes. Not bad for him. Yeah. Number five, very much over. I'm not being facetious. Brian Nobbs. Let's see who's next. Uh-oh. Hey! One half of the Nasties. I feel like 93, in theory, should have been the year of the Nasty Boys in WWF. They're so over. It turns out it would be the year of the Nasty Boys in WCW later on. With Missy. Right? Yeah. New York Missy. They were much better over there. They, they were. Like, it was actually, like, good for them for thinking, we need to get out of here. This place is a dump. Yeah, like, you I know mean, what I mean. Like they, they, they're like, we need to go find new opponents over in WCW. I love their WCW run. They're like good, ninety three to ninety five. They really are. Yeah, yeah. Like they, I feel like the Nasty Boys were one of the smarter tag teams of the era to cash in. Like they knew the time was over in WBF. They saw the yeah. writing on the wall. Yeah, and, and they it, said, let's get as much as we can before you know we got to retire and stuff. Yeah. and like let's go to WCW. And since they own their gimmick already, they didn't have to change a damn thing. Right. They just went right over there as the Nasty Boys. Very good. Yep. And they were feuding with Money, Inc., so that's why the booking here is, you know, DiBiase and then mm -hmm. Nobbs. Not bad. Uh, DiBiase winds up eliminating Nobbs. Number six, another callback was DiBiase's in there is Virgil. Right. They, Virgil. That's still what, here. <laughs> again. Yeah. On the downswing of his WWF run. Mm -hmm. Number seven, making his pay-per-view debut. He had just come in about a month prior. Jerry Lawler. So is this the incident where they pooed in his crown before the match or whatever? Uh, isn't this that? <laughs> isn't this is that one, right? I think it's at this or at the tapings the next night, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. something like just like as his like hazing or whatever. Well, because everyone fucking hated them for like all the shitty Memphis payoffs and stuff. Like right. anyone that had ever worked down there with him and Jerry Jarrett. Memphis is you. bizarre because like as a product, I love it. Oh god, me but too. But when I hear about like how basically like everyone had to like bow down to Lawler and probably like whatever that other guy was, Jerry like, Jarrett. Well, Jerry Jarrett, and who's who's the guy who's the like commissioner or whatever who also is Eddie the owner, Marlin. Eddie Marlin. <laughs> like, like that shit. You know that it was just it was just like a company built to pay them. Oh yeah, they're yeah, the like, only ones that made the good money. Yeah, you know? exactly. But anyway, it was cool to see Lawler in there having like he was in there with Ric Flair at the same time, which that's pretty cool. You know what mm -hmm. I mean on the WWF, uh, and he has a good exchange later with somebody that I'll mention. Number eight is. <laughs> Max Moon. Maximilian Moon. Maximilian Moon. He's here. Now, this is not Conan. Let's this is the clear. other one. It's I know. Paul Diamond. Paul Diamond. Yes. Yeah, this is Kato or Kato. whatever. Number nine, Quinn's personal favorite <sighs> Royal Rumble entrant. He comes back the next year as well, and we saw him at WrestleMania 7. Too um, much of this guy on pay-per-view. I'm talking about Teneru. Teneru, a guy who's like doesn't fucking matter in the WWF. In the WWF, yes. Yeah. Let's be clear here. Yeah. I know that he's a big deal in Japan. I know that the Japanese contingency is going to defend this yes. or whatever, but come on. Can I ask you one question? Is Sacramento in Japan? No. Okay. 
So when I was a kid, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, <laughs> right, right. I, like, I get it. Like, I don't have access. <laughs> right. Like, you got this is like a long time ago, right? Like, I even watched this like before, like I could I had high speed internet and I could download Japanese things, like, right? On like some torrent site somewhere, like right. it's like, and it's always like PW torrents or some shit, like, and you fucking malware. And he's doing in like it. a random fucking match on like some thing from Japan right. from like 1998 or something. He's a great wrestler. I'm yeah. serious, like he really is. But in the WWF context, please, yeah. Who who the hell is that? The crowd silence when he comes out. Uh, what? Who is this? I have to dump it in because it's so silent. Number 10 pops the crowd, though. That's Mr. Perfect. Right, so Mr. Perfect, here we go. This is a big fucking push that, that I never wanted. Face edition. Yeah. Now, he is he's over as a face. Let's, let's not misconstrue that. Mm-hmm. He really is over as a face. And he has a great bit, and we noted this in our review, I remember, with Jerry Lawler. Remember that? He has a really good mm. little mini bit. It's one of the few things that stands out in this Royal Rumble. I don't remember it too much. Yeah. And he is also the man, Quinn, that dumps out Ric Flair. See, to me, that was very predictable. Oh, yeah, of right? course. Because they're, they're feuding. They're going to have the career thing on Raw that's probably already taped or something. It was, yeah. yeah. They kind of had to like say, like, yeah, Mr. Perfect's going to beat him. Yeah. you know. <laughs> and, and you know what? Now that we're going through this, right? Th- mm-hmm. That's really the only important personal issue in this Royal Rumble is Flair and Perfect. Everything else is like tag feuds. There's well, like a couple of tag there feuds. there is something involving um, The Undertaker. Yeah, but not a personal issue in the Rumble itself. I see. Number 11, also still there, not Doink yet, not Doink 2, is Skinner. That's kind of stunning that Skinner is already still here. But then the Royal Rumble, here's the thing. If the Royal Rumble's in January, right? Yeah, it's true. It usually is like a safe harbor for any leak over from the previous year. There's a lot of leak. Yeah. I'm starting to like think in my head as we've done this is like, I shouldn't think too weird about like still here because if they were in the previous year, then they're probably in this. Yeah, of course. Always. Number 12 is Coco Beware in the High Energy Pants. Yes. That's all we have mm-hmm. to say about him. That was just like getting started, though, in late 92, right? Yeah, about six months in at it this point. It didn't last long, but still. No, I think it's almost done. Yeah, I think they break Already. up in like February yeah. or March. Yeah, very quick. Number 13, though, I'll tell you, this guy is great. We love him, Samu. Samu from the 1983 canon. That's correct. And 84 canon, obviously. And 84. Number 14... One of my personal, just affectionate favorites from this era, the Berserker. John Nord himself. <laughs> John future, Nord. Future WCW um, Hall of Famer in my eyes. NWO uh, opponent. Yes, future uh, <laughs> defeater of the New World Odor. That's right. He's yeah. the only one that can do it. Yeah. Huss. Number 15, finally another big star. Because we've had, you know, per- well, who's who's a big star? Ric Flair. Mr. Mr. Perfect. Perfect. That's it. From a single standpoint. I'm not counting Bob Backlund. No, and Jerry Lawler's not in the WWF. And DiBiase is like a tag Tag. wrestler now, and Backlund's an old man. Yeah. So So. not a lot of credible winners, but this guy, The Undertaker at number 15, definitely a credible winner. Still on the hunt to get his belt back. He's finally disposed of Kamala, who was like getting in his way for six months. And you thought that'd be it, right? (laughs) Right. He's going to go win this Royal Rumble, and he's finally going to be able to get this shit done, right? Yep. But Undertaker's only in there four minutes. Mm -hmm. We might as well talk about why right now because Harvey Whippleman now without his hat right this is very important uh-huh. he doesn't have his hat anymore he's, he's not very, a doctor it's still he's still dumpy though he's oh, still he's still you see him with anyone that's like oh that guy's gonna lose right like that's that's Harvey Whippleman so he leads down a very large man in a very stupid airbrushed suit with fuzzy hair on fuzzies, it fuzzies that's right 
And I love Gorilla in the Brain during this because Bobby, who is it? Gorilla's just finally like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so loud. Who is it? I don't know. He's huge, though. And this is obviously John Gonzalez, El Gigante from WCW. Right. Uh, legitimately well over seven feet. Yes. Legit, right? Of course, they call him eight because WWF. But honestly, comparatively, he looked like he could be eight. Like, it, I didn't have, like, <laughs> questions if he was eight. Like, I was like, that makes sense. He yeah. could be eight feet. I'm buying that. He had to be, like, at least seven five or something, right? I think they buy build- like a bare minimum. I think they build him as seven seven, but I don't know what his legit was. But he's well over seven. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. he's over seven and a half. He might be. Yeah, he might be. So he stares down the Undertaker, chops him a few times, and the Undertaker is eliminated. And I guess they're just they're allowing that outside mm-hmm. people can eliminate you this year. Well, I guess I get. Here's the thing, though. It doesn't matter how you go over the top. It just matters that you go over the top. Tell Randy Savage that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But anyway, it's ridiculous. But so that gets the Undertaker out of there. Sadly, number sixteen is a guy that really mattered. Uh, terrific Terry Taylor. So terrific. Garbage. Why the fuck? Why is he in this? Cockadoodle. Does anyone yeah. care? No. Uh, Seventeen on par with Terry Taylor in the WWF is Damian Demento. Well, to me, he's in this because remember he has that big Raw match or whatever. He had already beaten the he, well, he, lost to the Undertaker. He, yeah, he had that big Raw match with the Undertaker, and they needed to follow up on it. It was it was huge in their priorities list. <laughs> they thought. They liked him because he was so different looking. Yeah. That's really, they Plus liked he was him. big. Yeah. He, 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 had the, he had the size. It was terrible, but yeah. he had the size. Uh, here's a guy, though, that's fundamentally sound. IRS at number still 18. Still here. I'll say still here since 1991. I know. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm ready for him to leave right then. Tag champion. Yeah. IRS. Mm. Number 19, some name value here. I'm not being funny because this is still relatively in his this big is, push. This is during his push, yes. Tatanka. Uh-huh. Good reaction for him. Number 20, another guy with a great reaction, the technician of the nasties, Jerry Sags. Right. Very separated from his partner this time. From Nobsy? Yeah, yeah Nobsy's just, out. He's just by himself. He's in for 21 minutes. I know. Sagsy. is a great run yeah. here, Sagsy. Number 21. Typhoon. Yep. All right. They're a stalwart of the tag division. Yep. Yeah. And their faces here. A lot of, you know, what's one of the hallmarks, Quinn? A lot of tag wrestlers. Yes. Yep. Of a bad rumble. Mm-hmm. A lot of tag guys. Nothing. Here's the thing, folks. I know there's a few good bits in this, but a lot of this rumble, if you haven't watched it in a while, is a lot of tag wrestlers doing nothing. It's horrible. So it's like, yeah, like it's people you know, but mm-hmm. Jerry Sags ain't one in the Royal Rumble. No. IRS like, oh, no chance. Yeah. Why, I, I just never like when they do that, right? I know. They have a thinner roster here and not as much going on. They're um, not real opponents. No, they're not. Like number 22. I love him. Fatu. Yes. He's not Fatu's winning. Fatu's not going to win the Royal Rumble. <laughs> no. Ever. Especially if a world title shot's on. Right. It's like, wow, Fatu at WrestleMania? Like, <laughs> yeah. he's going to beat Bret Hart? Like, what? Like, does anybody, like, think that's going to happen? No. Of course not. Yeah. Now, again, even in the good Rumbles, like 92 yeah. or 90, I know there's tag wrestlers in there. The point we're making is there's much less of them, and there's more <laughs> credible people. At right. least, like, We've said if there's like four people that could win, mm-hmm. four, just four out of 30, that's pretty good for a Royal Rumble. It's not bad. Five, maybe, you know? If you get up to six, it's like a very good Royal Correct. Rumble. Like, yeah. That's like the magic number to me. About six, yeah. yeah. Now, number 23 is Earthquake. And I need to mention now, this. Now, he has a chance against Bret Hart, I think. <laughs> I can beat him! Yeah. Um, good worker. He's yeah. Canadian like me. Now, Earthquake here. This is very sad, Quinn. Remember, he, he eliminates Typhoon. 
Yes, this his, so his own friend. He ha- but he has to. I mean, are there only, friends? Only foes. See, Earthquake is an upstanding man. John Tenta, he he obeys the rules. Yeah, that's all he's doing. Right. Like, <laughs> this is not him being a heel. No. This is him like, well, it's like we're best friends. It's not going to matter if we eliminate each other. We're not going to break up or anything. No. Right? But sadly, this was it for Earthquake for a year. Aw. I know. Now, 24 is probably the most infamous entrant in this Royal Rumble. Also, probably the uh, most likely to fight Bret Hart at uh, <laughs> WrestleMania 9. That's in right. Caesar's Palace. He, the the odds-on favorite, Joe. We are, of course, talking about the Caribbean champion, as yes. Gorilla says. That youngster, Carlos Colon. It's, it is Carlos Colon, the Caribbean champion. A lot of fire in this youngster. I mean, people were really expecting this, right? They, they were saying, well, we can't wait for Carlos to clone to come in because he's the Caribbean champion. Brett's the world champion. Clearly, he's going to win the Royal Rumble. Fuck Ric Flair or any of that shit. Like, <laughs> or Mr. Perfect or any of them. All those people. Carlos Colon. That's it. He might get even less of a reaction than Teneru, if that's possible. I literally had no idea who he was, was like, when I first this saw man? this tape. I was like... Who? <laughs> like I knew, I knew who Teneru was because of that shitty demolition match. Yes. I had no fucking clue. And I don't think he's ever on any other pay-per-view. No, 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 he's not. I was like, what? Now, for those of you who probably have picked up on this, some of you, um, he was a business partner with Gorilla Monsoon who owned a piece of World Wrestling Council. Right. And Gorilla is clearly ribbing him by calling him a youngster. Exactly. This is like just some dumb inside joke. <laughs> yeah. Let's get this old man. Like, wasn't he, like, on the verge of retirement? He's probably one of those guys that probably wrestled until 2012. Let's when did he debut? 1951 or something? Like, what? 66. Like, yeah, close. And I was close. He retired in 2008. What? <laughs> Good Lord. So, let's move it on to number 25, El Matador, Tito Santana. Aha. Uh-huh. Not going to win a Royal Rumble by 93. Sorry. Unfortunately. It's very sad, but I love him. Even I love him. after his repackage. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's interesting is the next number is Rick Martel. This is perfect. Yeah, ha- the every time, and they uh, go at it for yeah. all the times so that I like. So yeah. that type of stuff is nice. Yes, twenty-seven. The recently debuted Mr. Fuji's latest surprise yeah, win. Big surprise. Literally very, a big very surprise. Very big. Now, what does Fuji call him? My Yokozuma. My Yokozuma. Very good. Very good. Gene San. Now, this is good because it wakes up the crowd, and they right. needed to be woken up. I mean, believe it or not, Carlos Colon did not set this rumble on fire, okay? I'm sorry. Now, we're still in the, like, I feel like the morning glare of Yokozuna, <laughs> right? Like the, yes. Like that everyone is, cut, like the honeymoon period, if you will, oh, yeah, whatever, yeah. where everyone's like, wow, that's a big man. We've seen a lot of big people in WF, but this guy, he's, the he's biggest, bigger than anybody he's ever. He's the fattest guy we've ever seen in the yeah. WF since Haystacks Calhoun. But, I mean, even him... Even the fattest people we've ever seen, they don't even, like, touch this guy. No, like, he's that fat. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's imposing. Like, how? Did, like I look at this guy, and I'm like, how in the utter fuck are they going to get him over the top rope? Well, you know who tries, right? Is Earthquake, but Yoko eliminates Earthquake. Yeah. Eliminates Carlos Colon. Mm-hmm. Eliminates Tito Santana. We're starting to get a little dicey here. This guy might be the winner. Let's find out. Number 28, Owen Hart. Well, Owen's nothing yet. Very low energy still, here. Still with with Coco and all that. And the pants. Yeah. Number 29, I love him. I love the man that plays him. I love the character. I love all of it. I'm talking about Repo Man. Yeah. The the big sleeper of this Raw Rumble. Don't, People wouldn't, don't sleep on him. Don't ever make fun of Repo Man. He's amazing. He, he broke a car window once. I've seen him do it. Yeah. 
And number 30, hey, maybe this guy could win it. If anybody can figure out a way to get that fat guy over the top. Former champion. Two times. Two-time champion. The most over guy in the match. Randy Savage. He's got a mean double axe handle. It's right, very mean. Yeah. And he drew number 30. I mean, he's fresh. This right? is this is the best position he could possibly be in to win the Royal Rumble. He cannot fuck it up this time, right? right. Like, there's, there's no bullshit here. Now, the final four comes down to Yokozuna, obviously, Randy Savage, mm-hmm. Rick Martel, and Bob Backlund. I guess he survived the Tito Santana struggle. He did. Now, Rick Martel always seems to make his way near the end. You ever notice that? This is true. Yeah. Because well, he's... He, He's convincing. He's cagey. Yeah, he's uh, ca- caged. Yeah, yeah. We need to mention Bob Backlund here because Bob Backlund eliminates Rick Martel, first right. of all, right? And gets a huge pop for all this, right? Mm-hmm. Martel is out of there! Unbelievable! By Bob Backlund! Unbelievable! And listen to the ovation! Bob Backlund breaks Ric Flair's record from the year before for being in the Rumble. Which I slightly feel was intentional or something. Because they're like, he's leaving. We need to make sure we don't have to say his name anymore. Yep. So 61 minutes and change. I need to mention something, though. Bob Backlund. And I like Bob. I actually really do like Bob Backlund. In this, yes. I like him in general. But he does not do nearly a quarter of what Ric Flair did in the 92 Rumble. No, I mean, Ric Flair is is definitely, he worked the entire fucking Royal Rumble. He was involved in everything. Yeah. Backlund is doing some some laying around, some work, whatever. That's not a shot at Backlund. I'm just telling you what happened, right? So even though it sounds like, holy shit, Bob Backlund's Iron Man performance, he doesn't really do that much that's notable until the very end the One here. thing that I think is impressive is that in kayfabe, Bob Backlund's about 20 years older than Ric Flair, so <laughs> um, I will say that. Yeah, <laughs> and about 15 years older than Randy Savage, too. Right, yeah. Now, when Bob Backlund goes after Yoko, right, and then now Backlund's finally over because he's been in, right? So the crowd still sees him, and he's, like, drenched in sweat, mm-hmm. and he goes after Yoko, and Yoko tosses him, and everyone's actually pissed. They're right. like, what the fuck? Yeah. So I got to give him credit. He got, he got over. Backlund is gone! But now it's down to Savage and Yoko, right? And Randy Savage starts beating the shit out of Yokozuna. He avoids. He's much, he's much faster, Joe. He avoids the moves. He gets him down. Right. Yoko tumbles down. Randy Savage hits the flying elbow. He's down. Yokozuna's down. Savage with the elbow. Pinfalls don't count. What? And Yokozuna wins the Royal Rumble. Just casually, like, get off. Ugh. I don't like it. I hate it, actually. Um, <laughs> it's awful. It's another example of them like, and this was the beginning of this, where it was like, just kind of like not caring about Randy Savage, like not caring that well, they have him. They cared like, enough to make him number 30. They knew they knew that this, he was the guy to, to do this. to me always marked the start, right? Like the start of that. I like, still don't know if he didn't want to wrestle full time or not do during WrestleMania. this period of time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but what? Why Hart versus Randy Savage at WrestleMania? Why that would, would they do that? Awesome. Yeah, but why would they? I'm, I'm not saying they... It wouldn't be good. Mm-hmm. I know that would be good. Why would they? Knowing yeah. their mentality, why would they book Brett against Savage in 93? Like, why? I'm not. They because should have Brett, figured something if out. Brett beat Savage at nine. I know, but Vince. Imagine wanted, the long, Imagine the fucking push. Vince wanted Yoko as his new champion. Yeah, I'm no. not saying that it's good. I'm just saying that that's what happened. Here's the thing is Yoko on paper seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah. But I think that 
it, once it ran its course, once we got get to like near the end of 93, I'm like, I'm done with this. Like, yeah. I don't care about this anymore. The end of 93. Yeah. Pretty much the last good thing he does is the Undertaker feud. Yeah. That is good. It's decent. He, they have fun. But anyway, so Yoko wins. And again, I'm fine with the ending. I get it. They were pushing Yoko. That doesn't bother me. It's just kind of a very uneven, flat, not very interesting Royal Rumble match. Absolutely. That's my main problem yeah. with it. But we have another one to discuss here. So why don't we go down to the fans again and find out sure. wh- which Royal Rumble drew number six. Let's begin the Royal Rumble. Let's go up to our ring announcer. Well, the first one, 1988. Yeah. So I think this is a weird choice. Like, I do this too. One, this one doesn't like offend me only because I feel like they're just, they don't know. They're like, what is the Royal Rumble? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you know, here's the thing, right? So Royal Rumble 88, another anniversary, Quinn, January 24th, 1988. So 34 years ago uh-huh. today. Okay. Got a lot of anniversaries. Now, Royal Rumble 88 was the first televised one. Uh, there was one more, at least one more that I know of, uh, which was in St. Louis in October of 87. I see. But it was just like a proof of concept. Right. How show like, thing. This is a match. Yeah. And then we'll see if it works. And I think it was like a 12 man or something mm-hmm. like that. But this is the first one on television. I just want to mention a quick word here. So this is Hamilton, Ontario on the Cops Coliseum. This was the USA special, not a pay-per-view, right. that Vince McMahon explicitly was able to pull off to screw with uh, Jim Crockett promotions and the bunkhouse stampede. Finally, Crockett would get his revenge at uh, WrestleMania mm-hmm. by running the first ever clash of the champions. It was a good idea. It was a great idea. Mm-hmm. So the 1988 Royal Rumble, another thing that we have reviewed in the archives, is... Um, a very bizarre special. It's a TV special. It's a long as shit, and it doesn't have... It has four fucking matches. What is it, like two and a half hours or something? It's three like, hours of TV time. Right, but that equates to like two hours and 30 minutes. Probably, give or take. match. And uh, like 20 minutes of it is the Dino Bravo weightlifting segment. Yes. <laughs> Serious. It's insane. Remember, there's also like a promo in between falls of the last match. Yeah, the Islanders one, and Stallions. They make the match, the two out of three falls match, stop. <laughs> they make the wrestlers just stare at like Andre and DBS like, on, on the platform and brag about WrestleMania. There's like, also <laughs> like it, it's awful. There's also the the contract signing with Hogan and Andre, but there's like a wooden dining room table in the ring. There is some <laughs> serious like time killing shit on this. It, it it is extended beyond belief. It is right? the Royal Rumble itself is thirty three minutes. Yeah, it's not even long. There the the other matches don't exceed seventeen minutes. That's the longest one, but they're long. Every match is over ten minutes. And the Steamboat Root opener is hideous. By the way, it sounds like it'd be good. It's the awful. only good thing on this show is the Jumping Bomb Angels with the Glamour Girls. Yes, um, winning the Jumping Bomb Angels won the titles. Tremendous match. But like. Everything else on this is horrible. It did give us the basis for our Vince and Jesse thing because it's Vince and Jesse with after the weightlifting thing. That was horrible, Jesse. Yeah, that yeah. was the worst thing I've ever seen, Jesse. That actually is very telling in that show, <laughs> just because of the fact that Vince is like, "This sucks. Yeah. Like this show sucks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's real. Like, um, I can't believe it's just Vince like." overtly saying the, the the weightlifting thing was the worst thing he's ever seen in his life. <laughs> he meant it, too. Yeah. Uh, so the Royal Rumble here is just strictly here as an attraction. Uh-huh. It's the first one on TV. So they're very um, they're very careful about the rules to explain what they are. No one's ever seen this before. And it is a 20-man Royal Rumble. This one, I'm going to say before we run it down, 
the problem with this one, I can't hold too much against it because it was the first one, really, mm-hmm. re- in, in earnest. It's very experimental. It's experimental, but they wrestle it much more like a battle royal. Yes. It's very it's very pushy. The wrestlers are somewhat confused. There's a lot how of to, how to approach it. Like, it's yeah. like there is friends in this one. Yeah. You know, they, they, don't, they just they don't know. There's literally like no established canon on how the Royal Rumble works. Correct. So they treat it like a battle royal that people just get added to. Right. Instead of like the every man for himself aspect. But anyway, let's run them down real quick. Number one. You know, I thought I could have drawn number one and, and I could have won the whole thing mm-hmm. in Canada. Here are the first two participants in the Rumble. To my right, number one, managed by the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. From Calgary, Alberta, Canada, a member of the Hart Foundation, Brett Hitman Hart. I will say the one and two on this show are very predictable choices in a thing that's supposed to last somewhat of a long time. <laughs> Good point. You know what I mean? It's like, what are the guys that would uh, last a while? You know, like that's literally, I can just see them mapping it out in a, in the locker room. And they had also uh, recently feuded. And number yeah. two is Tito Santana exactly. of Strike Force. Get, get the two long match people, put them in yep. the beginning. And very good wrestlers. Yeah. Number three, Butch Reed, mm-hmm. the natural. Number four, Jim Neidhart. And right. he actually teams up with Brett and they get Santana out of there. Because they want to show that like it's only foes, but at the same time, it's like if you make alliances. Like I remember them saying this. Yeah, they right? do. It's like you can make alliances, right? I think Jesse probably says that, yeah. you know? Yeah, but the natural's no dummy. He's going to go with the flow out there. Better to have two allies. Number five, very over in 88. Jake Roberts. So yeah, uh, Jake the Snake is probably like a favorite here, right? Yeah, because this is the thing about the 88. There's no stakes, right? There's no prize. There's no Hogan. There's Yeah, there's no Hogan. Yeah. A lot of people could win this. Right. Uh, this is this is literally like flip a coin. Yeah. Not even flip a coin, like um, a, a 20-sided dice and then roll it. There you go. Do you have one of those? It probably exists in like Dungeons and Dragons or some shit. Maybe when someone gets you the uh, Showtime Rotisserie, they can get you a 20-sided die also, okay? I'm sure somebody went out of their way to try to make a 20-sided die. I I bet you it it exists. Okay. Anyway, yeah, I'd say so far out of the five, Jake is probably the favorite thus far, right? Mm -hmm. Out of the five guys that that have drawn. I'd say so. Number six, he didn't do too much in 88. Uh, Harley Raysa. Yeah. He was just there. Name value. Name value, definitely. He could win. Maybe a, I, anybody can win this shit. Like this is this one is one of the only ones where we can say anybody can win. Yeah, the only people I'd say probably wouldn't would be the tag wrestlers. Yeah, because they usually don't win battle royals. Though Bret Hart isn't he like sort of not a tag wrestler? No, like, not yet at this point. Like I thought this is during his singles push. No, that's after like, after WrestleMania four. Oh, okay, number seven, Jimmy Brunzel. Okay, great wrestler, like him. Tag wrestler. Tag wrestler, though. No chance. Number eight, no chance. Sorry, Sam yeah. Houston. Sam Houston's one of the rare, he's a singles wrestler, <laughs> yeah. but he actually has no chance because he he's Sam Houston. He ain't winning this shit. Yeah. Number nine, also not. Well, again, maybe if they wanted to really piss people off, Danny right. Davis. Actually, I could like see it happening, <laughs> right. Right? Like, especially in early 88. Yeah. yeah, just to piss people off. You never know. Uh, number 10, no shot. Boris Zukov. Right. Boris Zukov stinks. <laughs> no fucking way. Yeah. Number 11 could win, though. This one definitely could win. Don the Rock Morocco. Donald P. Another yeah. favorite, right? Yes, Donald in, in P. face mode. Yeah, I don't like him as much as a face, but I gotta say, and you and I have both said this, Don Morocco was over as fuck in that 87-88 face run. He really run. was. So here's the thing, during that face run, I do want to say, yeah. I feel like that part of that also was that Don Morocco has just been a heel 
literally the entire time ever he's been in WWF. Let's just, you know what? He's on the back half. Let's just give it a shot. Yeah. That's what this felt like. <laughs> yeah. It was like, people like him. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? He's like, a name. Let's, get, let's give him, you know, half a year to a year to like be a face. Right. Like, and just see how it goes. Right. And it went pretty well. I, mean, I it, thought it was actually like kind of a success. It's just he didn't, he was older. So it kind of just, it was never like a long-term thing. Yeah. You, he didn't need to win the IC title or something like yeah. that again, you know, but I liked him. Number 12. Not going to win. Uh, Nikolai Volkov. No. Never. Uh, Bolshevik era. Yeah. No way. Number 13, another favorite here, Quinn, Jim Duggan. Guy who never loses. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> yep. Oh, whoa! What's he going to come in and beat everybody with the two by four? He's, the, the, he's been anointed the new Ivan Putski. Yeah. At this point. He, he's, he's, the taken, he's taken the crown. The working class crown. Yeah. There you go. Number 14, the sadly underutilized Ron Bass. Yeah. Although they still like, I feel like there was still some, a little bit of hope in early 88 that they could do something Maybe, with him. Right? Like, right. <laughs> I mean, he's there, the, he's there until like early 89. Yeah, somehow. exactly. That's what I mean. It's like, I, I still saw at this point, he wasn't completely just garbage. He wasn't garbage. No. Uh, number 15, the Brian Blair. No, not going to win because no. tag wrestler. Yep. Number 16, you never know. Hillbilly Jim is a wild card, this <laughs> yep. number 16. Because he, he, you know, I can never tell back, especially back then. Yep. I could never tell if they were like on the cusp of giving him a real push or not. Like he's a weird character. You know what it is? I think they did that on purpose. Always keep him like he could win at any time, but he never, ever does, right? Right. He's got, because he's one of those people that actually is legitimately like bigger than everyone. He's a big guy. He's a big man. He's kind of like got a, in a modern, like if we were compared to, he's got a Braun Strowman-esque-ness about him where it's like. In terms of presence, you mean, right? sort of could just win the world title if he wanted to. He's just fucking massive and like strong and shit. Like, I, you know what I mean? What I appreciate about uh, Hillbilly Jim is that he was always over. Right. Always he really likeable. was. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't wrestle that much. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's hey, always I don't know. Likeable. There was some, I always had an allure with Hillbilly Jim. I was always like, he seems good. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is about him. He just seems good. Here's a guy that doesn't seem good, though. Yeah, and this guy could win it, though. You never know. They just had him on TV for 20 minutes. Dino Bravo, Ugh. 17. I, I, I'm assuming in kayfabe he was, like, tired from weightlifting or whatever. <laughs> Maybe. Now, number 18. You have to understand the context of number 18. So, this is the ultimate warrior, but this is very early in his televised run. Yes, they're, like, just... Oh, and he wins and the, on, against jobbers, and he never fights anybody yet because he he's, he's brand new. He hasn't even had his Hercules feud yet. Yeah, and it's it, not good, but <laughs> literally completely new. Could you think maybe it could be his coming out party if he wins? Yes, but no, because really his coming out party was at SummerSlam. You know what I mean? Yeah, WrestleMania Four established him as better than Hercules. Like literally, that was yeah. the point of it. It's like, oh, okay, he's like upper mid. He's yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you're not supposed to know any of that yet, right? This guy's credible, 19, because he actually won the St. Louis Rumble. Not that anyone knows that, but... I don't know about that. He's a big name still, and uh, he'd only been there six, seven months, so he's pretty well pushed. A one-man gang. Not to mention, he's getting ready to be in the WrestleMania 4 tourney. That's a good point. Tourney. Yes. Very tourney. Very tourney. (laughs) Number 20, perpetually over as well. You never know with him. He could win it. This is one guy. This is the JYD, right? Yep. The JYD is one of those guys that he might decide, you know what, I'm not going to lose this. Yeah. Like, he just does that shit, right? In kayfabe, you yeah, mean. Yeah, and he just wins shit. Yeah. JYD actually has a very good chance here. Yeah, he a does. A very good chance. He does. So there you go. 
So we basically come down to uh, Don Morocco, Jim Duggan, the one-man gang, and Dino Bravo. Gang and Bravo are able to get Morocco out of there. <sighs> yeah, I know. I would have wanted Morocco to win this. I would have wanted Morocco to win, too. I like the eventual winners also, but I, yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't have minded if Don Morocco won it. Yeah, but he didn't. Duggan is able to get the gang out of there at the very end, and your winner of the first ever Royal Rumble is Jim Duggan. I want to say this. Go ahead. Notice at the end they did Duggan over gang like it was like Mid-South. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wonder if that, that's probably on purpose. Yeah, they had to, right? Maybe. Both over, though, Duggan mm-hmm. and gang during this period of time. So uh, we'll rank in a minute. I don't hate this. It's just kind of, it's like a pleasant waste of a half hour. I don't know. It's not great, though. It's not good. It's not great. But it's not, nothing bothers me about it. To me, it's just like, it's this awkward. is the Royal Rumble. Yeah. That's it. No the no, no, no other things to say. This is the Royal Rumble. Pretty much. Uh, that, that, it's just to introduce the concept to the crowd. Yeah. So that you can do a better one next year. It's a little, yeah, exactly. Uh, you Gwen. know what I mean? Yes. It's a little clunky. It's a little awkward. It's tentative. Like we were saying, there's not a lot of this every man for himself mentality. It also gives Gorilla, like, on TV yeah. and stuff, he's able to, like, say things. Like, when the next year's Royal Rumble's coming up, he's like, oh, you all remember that was a crazy one, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Right. Like, it's like, it literally exists to just be talked about before the real one. It's like, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, it's like a precedent setter, yeah. right? It, it, it's not great. No. It's not good. It, but it's, I mean, I guess it's historic in a weird way because it's the first like real Royal Rumble. It is. And it didn't yeah. bother me, you know, no. when we watched it, but it wasn't very exciting either, you know, just in terms of like what makes a Royal Rumble exciting. Yeah. There's nothing really great they about it. They also didn't know yet they what they were doing. Yeah. So it's just like, we're just going to try this and see if it's good. So it might get some forgiveness yeah. there from us, but let's run them down real quick so we can rank. Uh, just a refresher at number one is 2015. Number two is 2014. Number three is 1995, and number four is 2016. The 93 Rumble, Quinn, is that even better than 16's? It's pretty poor. It, 16, which, which hellscape is 16? Triple H. I think I think 93 might be like a... It's Yeah, it's better than 16, right? It's Yeah, I think it is. But not by much. Is it even better? I don't know, because 16 at least is like a modern Rumble where they, you know, they mm-hmm. do things and stuff. I don't think, though, even if even if 93 is worse than 16, I don't think 93 is worse than 95. Absolutely not. 95 is even worse. I have a hard time saying even 93 is worse than 16. But then again, again 16, at least they're like, they're trying to fix the Royal Rumble. At least. It does, <laughs> have, I mean, Rus- like, yeah, it does have Rusev Steel on the monitor when they attack. It's for the belt. It's for the belt. It's a surprise, I guess. In theory, it's a surprise that Triple H was coming in. But didn't everyone know that? Yeah. Wasn't that predicted? Mm-hmm. It's got Brock. That's true. But 93 okay, well, has Yoka. Yeah, but 93 also has a bunch of junk. Okay, let's just say this. 93 is definitely worse. Like, slightly worse than 2016. However, there's no way it's worse than 1995. 93's got a better roster. R- yeah. And also 95, it's very telegraphed. Well, I guess 93 maybe with Yoko winning. Ugh. No, 95 stinks. Yeah, 95 it's a pointless, is... It's, it's so short and weird and... It's a means to an end. It's to get Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 11. Yeah. Um, and the roster's really bad in 95. It, it's almost like... It's like, we want to push Shawn Michaels. Okay, great. That's lovely, right? Right. Great. Great idea, right? We don't have anybody to work for us to do a Royal Rumble to to push Shawn Michaels. Just Uh-oh. British Bulldog. Yeah, like, that's... It's, it, that, it's literally like they had this great idea to push Shawn Michaels... 
but they had nothing to support it. There's nothing to push him above because everyone is clearly beneath him anyway. Right, yeah. So it's not really like an anointment of Shawn Michaels, you yeah. know? Because he didn't beat anyone good. It's just a confirmation. Yeah. Like of like, yeah, Shawn Michaels. At least 93 has a few interesting bits. I said like the flare perfect stuff's good. The, the perfect Lawler stuff is good. It has the youngster comment. Mm-hmm. It, it does. <laughs> it has the natural disasters a little bit. It has the backland. The end of the backland stuff is fun. Okay. 1988. What even is that? Like, how do we rank that? I literally was going to say, like, this is the least worst. Yeah. Because of just, like, yeah. I, I have to give it some, like, leeway. Like, I, I, so I can't too. even, like, shit on it. You know what it is? Here's the thing. Yeah. The event is hideous, but the match is okay. It's like it's pleasant, right? Yeah. It's all the stuff afterwards in the, that tag thing is so bad. Well, because there's a promo in between it. With like it's Craig. so fucking horrible. <laughs> but it's like, I think people maybe are, if they listen to our reviews, maybe are attaching that maybe to the Royal Rumble 1988 as a whole. I, yeah, I mean, I didn't... Like, ha- as a match, I mean. If I recall, I didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things where it's not... It's not bad, but it's just not in- interesting. But I can't say it's... It's not offensive. No. No. That's but, that's the thing. It's not offensive. Is sixteen offensive? Yes. Why? It's Triple H at the end. Okay. Horrible. Uh, <laughs> that did not need to happen. They really didn't need to go there with this. They didn't need to. You're right. Yeah. I'll leave it at number six. I think it gets a little bit of a pass because it was the first one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're we're locked in here. We're in agreement. It's an easy one to rank because it, I, I there's some solid garbage at the top right now. There, there, is. there is some very like hard to push off shit. There is, and we'll have to see if it does get pushed off. But the updated rankings for week number three at number one, 2015, number two, 2014, number three, 95, number four, 1993, number five, 2016, and number six is 1988. That's our rankings. Let us know yours. You can do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, it is WCW Saturday night. And that is coming up right after this. The crowd will shake. The earth will rumble. The Royal Rumble. Ah! 30 superstar wrestlers of the WWF bang heads in a winner-take-all rumble. 30 wrestlers, one ring, something's got to give. And in a championship match, Brett the Hitman Hart puts his title on the line when he battles the ruthless Razor Ramon. The Royal Rumble, live Sunday, January 24th on Pay-Per-View. Hello, wrestling fans. It's time to shout out our friends of the show now. These are other independent podcasters that do their best each and every week to put out a unique program focusing on old wrestling, kind of like OVP. Let's start with the best of Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking filthy. We're talking unprofessional wrestling podcast. We're talking about booking the territory where you will get your fix of the NWA each week. And then for a whimsical journey led by one man, Pete Winson, Check out Greetings from Allentown. It might be WWF, it might be WCW, it could be Mid-South. So check out our friends of the show. We're talking about booking the territory and Greetings from Allentown. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode 256. Thank you for being with us. How you doing there, Michael? Hi. We're reviewing something, right? We are. We're back to the reviews. We're back to the reviews. And folks... This one was suggested by a great friend of the show, 
Mike Olson. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Richard Land puts together a schedule, and I know, Quinn, you are excited for this one. This is WCW Saturday Night. Yes. I, I'm not going to lie. I was absolutely thrilled when this <laughs> review came up in the schedule. I I, I didn't see it coming because I don't usually try, I try to not really pay attention to what's ahead, even though I can see it. Yeah. Um, I boot up my computer. I, I, I log into the our, our spreadsheet here, and I say, WCW Saturday Night. <laughs> The in the B show era, how, how could this be bad? That's right. Like literally from like 97, 96, even from 90, from 95 until like the end of the B shows, WW's B shows were, they're so much fun. They're great. No company ever did B shows this good. I swear. Probably like, right. It, it's insane. And but this anyway, is one hour version. This is the one hour edition. Cause I don't know. The Braves are more important. This week. It's a B show. Who cares? Right? I mean, it is. Yeah. Baseball season, especially the summer, June. This is June 28th, 1997. I don't know by the way. what important game was occurring that needed to like preempt Saturday night on like mid season. Like it's <laughs> well, I and mean, it's the home of the Braves is a uh, WTBS, the home of the Braves. Yeah. TBS. I yeah. mean, so they have to be on when they're on TBS. Oh, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know. I just it's weird they couldn't get the scheduling under control here. Well, the baseball game started at whatever time. They have to show it on TV. More people, I know this is hard to believe. More people like the Braves than wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, but the wrestling, at least they have a nationwide audience. This only has a just Atlanta audience. You want to find out who they were playing? Let's see. Braves schedule 1997. Who was it? Now, the other were thing they facing the Yankees or some shit. That's the, what I'm wondering. First year of interleague. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering is like if it was a, a game that fucking mattered. Phillies. Phillies. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, you know what else took place this night? Just for trivia. And then we have some boxing fans out there. The bite fight. Oh, this is Night of the Bite? The Night of the Bite, yes. That's uh, Vander Holyfield versus Mike Tyson 2. Yeah, maybe they also wanted to get your wrestling over with so you could go watch that. <laughs> right. Like, Just like, that, we're, not, that, we're not competing with this. Go watch that pop culture event. Yeah, like, <laughs> don't worry about that, this. That actually was a pop culture <laughs> event. It was. God, remember the next day, like, just oh, yeah. everyone just, that was something that was talked about for months. Oh, yeah, like, for years even, For right? years afterwards, the bite fight. Now, let's set the stage for WCW here, because speaking of pop culture, this is during the build to Bash at the Beach 97, mm-hmm. uh, which was going to be in July, July 13th, and they had Dennis Rodman coming in for this one, wow. the team with the hoaxer. Yep. This is very much the era where I, I'm being honest, I'm not being negative, where I, as a fan at the time, started to get tired of the whole NWO angle was right around this time. I, I know say. That, now, I know that that's not true for everybody, so I'm not saying it was bad. The reason I was starting to get tired, and this is an honest opinion from at the time, is I saw what was going on in the WWF with the Bret Hart, USA, Canada thing, right? and Steve Austin, and believe it or not, Shawn Michaels, when Austin and Michaels won the tag titles in May of 97. All the stuff that was going on in the main event scene in the WWF appealed to me a lot more than the Dennis Rodman thing and Piper, like Roddy Piper's all over this. I agree with that. However, the one thing I will say about WWE during this time is that there seemed to be building some kind of conclusion to Hulk winning or losing his belt. Correct. It was like, okay, we're getting to the point where like this, you know, WWE is going to win the big one, right? And and make no doubt about it. I was still watching Nitro because I remember the whole Luger build and everything. And I watched that one in August. So So there was intrigue. I think actually this was like 
a good time period for both. It is. Like, this, I was still right on board with everything WCW was doing. 100%. I was still watching Nitro. Yeah. Definitely. I'm just starting to tire out of some of this. But anyway, let's just get to it here. The B show by this point, clearly. because Unfortunately. But it's still great. I still love the concept of two hours of wrestling on a Saturday at six. I know. I loved it. Can we get that it. back? No. I, I would love that. You get seven hour WrestleManias, one and two. <laughs> Why anyway. did they not realize that, like, I want to, like, cook my dinner and I want to sit down and some wrestling is on. You're going to cook that, it in the uh, Rompo Peel rotisserie? In the Rompo Peel, yes. With a 20-sided die? I don't even have to think. And you're just going to roll your die? Roll my die. Uh, 20 different foods I'll pick, and then I'll roll the die, and one of them, whatever number I've applied to that food, will win. Well, thanks, Mike Olson, for rolling this die with us here. This is WCW Saturday night, June 28th, 97, and the first thing we get is they notice that this is brought to us by Valvoline. Because wrestling and motor oil, they go together, man. That's right. People who know use Valvoline. People who don't know, they use Castrol. Anyway, we get the usual mecha wrestler intro. You know the one. Yeah, the factory zone. Does this feel a little outdated by now? Listen, a I... A little... Okay, I'm not going to lie, even as a kid. Make wrestler. <laughs> I thought this was really cool That's for some reason. Too, I really was like... But in like 95, I liked I, it. No, I didn't. I, I wanted them <laughs> to never get rid of it. I was just like, this is awesome. Okay. I was like, wow. WCW Saturday Night's pretty badass, right? Like, We are well into the NWO like streetwise reality era, and you still like this, right? I still wanted it. Yeah, I was like, can we keep a little tech over here? Right? Tech. It's it's, a, it's nestled on Saturdays, <laughs> like in, in its 605 zone. It's fair. Uh, so we fade now to the June 23rd Nitro, where Mongo and Chris Benoit were talking to Roddy Piper with a stupid icon shirt, and Ric Flair is also with them. So I'm immediately excited because Mongo's talking. <laughs> I love this. I'm here, baby! <laughs> Backyard barbecue, baby! Let's just have some fun and fuck you, Roddy Piper! <laughs> yeah, he's great. I, I love him. Uh, Lord Voldemort here says that Piper has been around way too long. Piper punches Benoit here, and Gene is all, Oh, oh, hey! Uh, as, hey we, as we fade. Gentlemen! Hey, gentlemen, calm down! Decorium! Yeah. Anyway, we go to ringside, uh, where Tony Schiavone, the voices of Tony Schiavone and Dusty Rhodes are on commentary. Welcome, everyone, to WCW Saturday Night! Along with Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, I am Tony Schiavone! Tony's very excited. And so am I. Tony and Dusty, baby. I, I will say, immediately when I was like, oh, it's Tony and Dusty. Love them. This is going to be <laughs> Lovely. This Great is going to be just a very nice 45 minutes of just fucking around, yep. watching some dumpy matches. We don't have to deal with Larry Zabisco. I mean, this is just, this is my pace right well, Mike Tanay or yeah. anything. You know, this is a very important match. No, it's not. Well, okay, to be fair, Dusty and Tony always act like Saturday night's really fucking important. And they also ignore every match while it's in the ring. They ignore, they talk about the New World odor or whatever, but... They're also like, wow, if you win something here, like you're going to, you know, you might get a title shot soon, it's right? A great paradox, yeah. isn't it? Anyway, so the door is open for our first match, and it's the face version of Bobby Eaton. Yes, looking old, unfortunately. So this is the this is the point when he unblue blooded, like when he like became regular Bobby Eaton again. Red I was blood. like, why does he look old now? Because he was. <laughs> but, I mean, but it was like I felt like just yesterday he didn't look old well he did like, I, I was just confused by this as a kid I'm not sure uh, the announcers hype up the bash at the beach of course with Dusty particularly focusing on the Ric Flair angle as what made Hyper Flair you know what Tony there was eras that I mean I'm talking about big eras uh, next up Lord Steven Regal's very pleasant music cues up he mm -hmm. wanders out very grumpily 
Now, he's a TV champion here, perpetually. Yeah. But we're in the maroon singlet mode. And, Quinn, the Blue Bloods are officially exploding. This is a huge match on the Saturday Night <laughs> it Cannon. It is. Like, this is, a, this is a big, this is a barn burner to open up, right? It's like we're we're going to finally settle it. Who was the better of the Blue Bloods? The barns will be burned. I've been waiting, Joe. <laughs> I've, been, I've waited for years for this match at this point. Sure is a big, bloody, barn-burning Blue Bloods battle brawl. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Tony hypes up Bash at the Beach more, speaking of bees. Uh, which will have Dennis Rodman and Hulk Hogan tagging up, as we said. It's the players, Tony. I fucking love Dusty. Like when him, him like explaining why this is good. I love it. Uh, referee here is going to be the wonderful Mark Curtis. And as always, Regal has those tremendous mad facial expressions. Yeah, even as he was coming out, he's like, Ugh. lemon like, face. Yeah, like just the, these disgusting fans or whatever. You know how he is. Tremendous. <laughs> yeah. We get a bell as Dusty and Tony talk more about Bash at the Beach. Circle lock up into the ropes. They roll around into the corner now. Regal with some forearms on an uppercut. Bobby Eaton retaliates, though, with some punches to send Regal down, and he begs off. Tony finally acknowledges the fucking match in the ring, which allows Dusty to talk about Bobby Eaton's ring rust. It's no secret. The rust, Tony. It been gone. The rust. I love it. The rust, Tony. The rust. <laughs> I like when when Dusty has to talk about what's going on in the ring. He just he just goes to work. He just All yells things. All of a sudden, this bullshit match matters. Yep. Like, the rust showing through, I really believe, on, on Bobby Eaton. So Regal makes a big stink now, staggers around before we get another lockup. As Tony brings up Regal, <laughs> he brings up Regal's singlet. So I guess it's new. He's like, oh, he's wearing a singlet now. Yeah. He's fat. Look yeah. at that fat fuck. <laughs> anyway, uh, side leg by Regal into a toehold. He switches to a wrist lock. Eaton pulls away, reverses, and cranks up the arm. Arm, arm, arm. A lot of arm. Uh, Regal with a nice rollaway counter into a wrist lock takedown. Pretty good stuff. Dusty now rambles on and on about how Regal shouldn't have a problem winning, but also Bobby Eaton could win too. Uh, <laughs> I love that. A, he's he's going to have no problem winning, but also uh, Eaton could win. Dusty's fantastic. I yeah, yeah, I love he's an, he was a national treasure on commentary. He's great. Yeah. Uh, uppercut by Regal and some stomps so we get a very mild USA chant. Calm. Everyone we, calm. We don't need that. <laughs> Another uppercut snapmare and a knee drop. And then we get a very unfortunate shot of Joey Mags watching this what, match. What is he even... Like, is he even anything? No. Like, he looks like a bad Lou Ferrigno imitator. Like, he, he's just garbage. The hair. Yeah, he's just bad. Why is it like... Don't show him. What are we doing? Yeah. But it, I, It's amazing, too, because Dusty, right? Yes! Yeah. Dusty yeah. all but says that he sucks. He's like... The learning oh. process for Joey Mags, he's lost a lot more than he's won. And the bottom line, he needs to understand how to get to that pay window, and that's good. The pay window. The pay window. Always uh, with the pay window. You got to get your money. I, I, I like that you don't win in Dusty's eyes. You get to the pay window. Yeah, like, that's what matters. Yeah. See, even Dusty's saying it's about the money. Yeah. He always has. He's he's like Gorilla, where it's like the winner's purse. purse or whatever. Like, <laughs> Dusty is fully aware of the winner's purse. Kevin Nash probably loved both of them then, right? Yeah. I just want to get to the fucking pay window also. I'll take the fucking purse I'm money. I'm sure Kevin Nash and Dusty Rhodes got along swimmingly because <laughs> right? they're both way too interested in the pay window. Give me the fucking loser's purse. I don't give a fuck. Dusty knows what we're fucking talking about here. I want to fucking make the money. Yeah. Take care of my cat. I never cheated on my fucking wife. <laughs> I always like when Dusty was booking because he got me to the pay window. Just want to get to the fucking pay. Give me the pay door. Fuck. Yeah. Anyway, Regal with some uppercuts. Eaton's in trouble. Corner whip reverse. Backdrop by Eaton is poorly done. And a neckbreaker now by beautiful Bobby. 
You know how Dusty tells stories about how all people need to get into a house to watch wrestling yeah, or something? I, and I just smile happily because yeah. I have no clue what he's talking <laughs> I about. But I, I just I don't I just want to hear him just ramble about something unrelated. It has nothing it's <laughs> nothing to do with anything. No. And I love when he does that. that. And you know, people gotta get to the house and with the friends <laughs> and then and then they can watch the pay-per-view. And it's like what? <laughs> like what like why why are you saying this? It's very roundabout, yeah. Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. Um Regal Bells to the outside. Eaton comes to the apron, but Regal slams his leg right into the post. Regal now back inside with Eaton, and it's time for the Regal stretch. Bobby fights it and fights it, as Tony says, Lord Regal. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was weird. Yeah, right? right? <laughs> but then he isn't, then he says something like he isn't yeah. known as Lord Regal anymore. He's back to Steve. It was very strange. Yeah. Uh, Palm strikes by Regal, and he finally gets the Regal stretch on. Dusty references how Eaton almost tapped out. Yeah, and then Tony's like, you know, you have to tap three times on the mat for it to matter or whatever. <laughs> yes. to, 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 that's how it works. Like that, They're like figuring out the thing with Ken Shamrock over there. They're, like, they're learning. In, by the way, in the most WCW fashion, right? Yeah. That, that is very WCW that it has to be three. It can't be two. It can't be one. It's three. Yeah, I'm surprised Tanae wasn't here to explain yeah, this. Anytime greater than three, tap out. You know? Under three, it's just them like complaining that it hurts. You know, Tony, the art of tapping out actually started back in Japan. They used to signal that they were done with the fighting. Yeah. You know, like, Hiro Matsuda invented it, you see, Tony. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Something like that. Eaton finally does tap out. And like we said, yeah, WCW picking up on this pretty quick after WWF. Yeah, they're learning. Yeah. You know, that that is pretty fast. It is. And honestly, it weirdly, I'm not going to lie, it weirdly applies to WCW more because they're about wrestling over there. Like, it's almost like they saw, like, you know how WCW is very heavy on the, like, we're wrestling, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Th this more sports aspect. Uh -huh. I feel like... They're they, in business, too. Yeah, I, I feel like, I'm just saying to you, is that I feel like they saw the Shamrock thing and somebody like Dusty said, that's a good idea. Like, we should, because we're sports. Because <laughs> we're sports. We're more sports, right? It's sports. like, we should we should adopt the tapping thing. But still, remember, top rope maneuvers are somehow illegal. Fuck or, that. Or, like, still, it's not until, like, 98 or something, no, I swear. it's not. It's I think late. it's 96, isn't it? I think it's gone now. I'm not sure if it's gone yet, Joe. It might not be. The, over the top rope thing. I know it was once the cruisers came in. Someone let us know. Yeah. Anyway, Quinn, Joey Mags then leaves all sad. Yeah, zero people care, <laughs> too. They're like, who even was that? <laughs> and then Dusty, he's like, well, Joey's been in that spot before. <laughs> you mean losing? Yes. yes. Anyway, this match was actually fine, wasn't it? It's a good opener. It wasn't too long. No. Yeah. I mean, the two guys involved, they're always good for something. Right. Regal and Bobby. Just, but see, I, I took this as like, here's the thing. This isn't the end of this feud because remember the ring rust that Dusty said? Rust. So the, the, like Bobby Eaton wasn't all the way there yet. He needs another shot at Regal. I agree. Right? He needs to fight a couple of losers on Saturday night. Yep. Or maybe pro or something. Yeah, or even pro. Yeah. yeah. Or worldwide or one yeah. of those. Don't worry. All these cannons matter in WCW no, they do. realm. They do. Like, yeah. Even if it doesn't carry over to Nitro, it still matters here. Yeah, no, the people are counting the wins and losses. This yeah. is, you know, people bitch about J.J. Dillon being the president. Because well, he stunk the, at it. But he's the, see, here's the thing. He's, he's the idiot. one silently counting the wins and losses on, like, Saturday night and fucking pro and Silently worldwide. farting into his underpants yeah. is what he's doing, Quinn. <laughs> who would Sting want to fight? I have no idea Everyone who Sting wants to, to fight. leave J.J. Dillon No, alone. they don't. He was terrible I and uncharismatic and boring crap. He was crap. To go through the red tape with the championship no, rules, no, they did not. All that. Remember, no, they did not. They talk about this 
fucking rules committee. He was all the a time. useless rube in there as the commissioner. <laughs> you are absolutely Sting, wrong. who do you want to fight? I have no idea. Do you want a TV no, title no, no, match? No. Do you want to fight you, Scott Hall? You're, for, you're forgetting. No, Joe. I'm not. It's you're, terrible. You're forgetting. It's crap. Let me explain. No. You're what? forgetting. The reason that he needed Sting to say it is because the rules committee was like, we don't really know who he wants to fight because he won't say it. Shut so up. then JJ was trying to like bring it out no, of him. No, he wasn't. JJ's so that he would fuck it. Like JJ knew that he wanted to fight Hogan, but he needed Sting to say so that the stupid fucking no. rules committee. No. Who's even on Who's that Who's on committee? that yeah. fucking committee? I want, I want names, it. please. <laughs> like I'm always assuming it's like old wrestlers or something. Harvey Schiller? Who the yeah. hell's on there? People who aren't even technically on the roster, but they're like honorarily like on it. Like Ole Anderson yeah, or something. Yeah, like some <laughs> shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to the action here as Dusty does the replay and then says, it's Saturday night, we got paid. But it's Saturday night, we just got paid. To the announcers now in front of the Saturday Night logo. Dusty, by the way, has a proud denim shirt with a blazer over it and a <laughs> butt kiss like crew cut. It it's was lovely. It is. And then Dusty goes on this soliloquy about the horseman and Piper. The horseman. Hoss. <laughs> Hoss. We got a break and we are warned that uh, Conan will be coming up. What? Uh, but first, Mongo and Deborah grace us with a wonderful commercial. This was really good. I I never saw this one. So so this is the best thing, right? It's yep. like Deborah's in like full regalia, but like in her house. Yeah. And it, you know, by the way, I really this was like typical McMansion house. I was like Mongo convinced McMansion. that this is was Mongo's house in Atlanta. I'm not kidding. It might be. Anyway, so <laughs> she's in full like Deborah regalia, right? Yep. And Mongo is like proudly reading the WCW magazine <laughs> in the background. It's great. And then Deborah's like, she's like in the tub. It, it it is so hard being in the '90s or whatever. And she's like, I always take time to call the WCW hotline. And she's like, like walking upstairs, like her glove comes off, it's very and then weird. her like her she undoes her hair, and then the the gown and all this shit. And then she like goes in. Notice that when she was in the tub at the very end on the hotline, yeah. Did you notice she still had the little like tiara on? Well, I mean, you don't have to take it off if you're not going to get your hair wet. To me, the one thing about the Deborah character only in WCW that I liked is that she was very dedicated to like this, like, I'm the queen or she whatever. Is. And it was kind of funny. It's not a gimmick. Yeah. Anyway, very one, sensational Sherry esque is all I mean. A little Sherry. Yeah. Uh, 1 900 9900, of course. 159. Oh, they raised the price 10 cents? 149 mm. used to be. Anyway, it was an odd commercial, wasn't it? It's very strange. I've never seen this one. I don't remember that one either. Uh, but next up, we go to a quick bumper for Batch at the Beach, which will be Sunday, July 13th, 7 p.m. And to sell this, they show Mongo giving Jeff Jarrett a tombstone. Fucking good. I, that's something I always wanted to see. I love Mongo. I hate Jeff Jarrett. Mongo tombstoning Jeff Jarrett. Great. Fine with me. We're going to have Wrath and Mortis take it on Glacier and Ernest Miller. Well, that exists in its own. That's a whole canon. thing. Yeah, that's its own thing. Retirement match here. Kevin Sullivan versus Chris Voldemort. I don't even remember who wins that. Which one of them retired? No, but it's if Kevin Sullivan loses, he retires. I, I don't think Benoit's career is on the line now. Whatever it is, uh, Chris Voldemort won the match. Okay. Yeah, Sullivan lost. Yeah. Anyway, Piper will take on Ric Flair. Great. That was a pretty crappy promo, actually. They're not good at those, the way WWF is. They're not. They, you know what the, you know they what don't the, know what they're doing. So, you know what the difference with the WCW ones I always notice? They're is shitty. The way they do them, 
they're in that like call now kind of thing, like that, like an infomercial style, like with the. It's almost like this almost could just have the blue screen at the end with this the is number like the countdown show practically. Yeah, like WCW, the way they marketed it as they wanted to get like people to call while they were like on the couch or something, and like they wanted them to call ahead. Like it's it, it's that same style. Like if you call now, you know you don't have to think about it later or whatever. Hey, I mean they sold a lot of pay per views in '97, so did. I can't. I so can't fault yeah, them. it's just it's their marketing method is more of like an infomercial style, right? right? Yeah, I, I don't like it as much. But yeah, I will say promotion consideration is paid for by everlasting gobstopper yeah it's weird that like remember the revival of like the candy from the movie in the 70s (laughs) i thought that was strange (laughs) beef and spice that's right snap into a slim jim oh and hot pockets trilene pockets too it's that one also where they like they 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 put that in at the end always right like trying to lean pockets too they did it for like 10 years and i always felt it was because the lean pockets weren't selling they weren't but they taste like shit but lean pockets because they're lean they have a leaner budget and they can't um, have their own ads. So they would horn the lean pockets into the hot pockets <laughs> yeah, budget. They're the triple H of hot pockets. Yeah, exactly. So they're like, well, we need to give lean pockets some feature time here, just like for a, a hot second at the end, because <laughs> they, they can't afford their own ads. The, right. the lean pockets division of hot pockets incorporated. It's a very lean company. Yeah. Uh, Motel 6 ad is all sped up to be very funny with the guy, you know, Tom Modell talking and all that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they'll leave the light on for you. To ringside where Conan is making his way out. Apparently he has issues with the Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> Remember when he was one of like the last members? Yeah, is that just, like now? Yeah, no, he's not in it now. That's what they're saying. Like Aww. now he doesn't like Kevin Sullivan either. It's very sad. Is this, are we in the run up to the official end of the Dungeon of Doom with Kevin Sullivan career match thing. Yeah, because he loses. Uh, but it, I thought they still exist in Meng form. No, remember that's just Jimmy Hart manages him and Barbarian. But Jimmy Hart's still in the Dungeon of Doom. Is he, though? I think he is. I don't think he is. The Faces of Fear were still in the Dungeon of Doom till like, 98. Like, no, that's not the a only, thing they're, anymore. They're the only members, Joe. It formally ends. The at, master's just pulling the strings. <laughs> eat shit, my son. Yeah. It formally ends when Sullivan retires. Okay. And then Jimmy just manages the Faces of Fear. Who cares? Anyway, <laughs> back to the uh, Conan match here. His yeah. opponent is the very unfortunately named Tim Cheeks. Yeah, WCW jobbers, top quality, <laughs> Joe. Yes, the sure. Premier, the premier jobbers. <laughs> it is true, though. Yeah. They, they really jobbers. are. They, like, they they, they're way better than WWFs. It's true. Uh, referee is Mickey J. Please be short here. Conan with crappy punches to start some chops. Wrist lock takedown, rollover, back up, back down again. Conan, by the way, I just got to say, he's wrestling like in his button down and jeans. It's great. Yeah, he doesn't care. I know. It's great. Uh, laying abdominable, str- abdominable, abdominable, <laughs> abominable, abdominal stretch here. Uh, back up Irish whip backdrop by Conan. Cheeks is dressed like 80s Ricky Morton yeah. or something. What is that? Except he looks like Rick Astley or something with a Rick, mullet. Ricky Rice. Yeah. yeah, I know. And then Cheeks to the top and he does a backflip off the top and then a drop. Yeah, that kick. was random. I was like, whoa, this guy knows a move. So like, for- I was like, holy shit. He did like a backflip. I mean, he misses, but he he still did it and landed on his feet. Didn't that seem a little bold to you for a Conan match? I think they just because Conan was spinning and flipping too. I think they did like it's like, hey kid, just do like a flip or something so it looks like you did, like you're fighting back somewhat. Maybe, yeah. Uh, but Conan quickly puts him to rest here with a back suplex, and then his bandana finally comes off. He lands a seated drop kick on cheeks, nice rolling clothesline, Irish whip again, crummy DDT by Conan, and a tequila sunrise gets the win because cheeks taps out. Neat, neat. I, that was fine. It was I mean, quick. Yeah, it Thank was just, God. It was just Conan. Like we're establishing that he's still coming after the Dungeon of Doom or something. Yeah, like this is like 
the Conan, not the one that won the U.S. title in 96 or whatever. Yeah. He's morphing into what would become like the NWO Wolfpack Conan or whatever yeah, the hell he was. Exactly. So they, they, they're like, he exists. Like He's a just, single star. Yeah, like he wins matches. That, you know, that of kind of thing. Yep. But now for our 1-800-COLLECT on the road spot, it's Chris Cruz. Oh, poor Crispy. They sent him a week ahead this time. Oh, damn it. My fans, I'm Chris Cruz here in L.A., Man, this is like the most depressing segment they ever do. <laughs> is that all they're keeping Chris Cruz around for in 97? I don't know. Is is uh, the other show on? Prime? I forget if it's still the on. Prime, man, is a, <laughs> the Prime thinks it's the best show. That is that is the best show. <laughs> yeah. Um, but actually, Quinn, this is good because he's not a week ahead. He's oh. in Los Angeles right now for Nitro, which is tonight. Weird. Saturday Nitro. When did that happen? That's strange. You know is this, this like was? the only time they ever did it? You know what this was? Was it was, a pre-tape or something? No, listen. It didn't air on TV. It, it, I'm not making this up. It aired on the internet. What? On like Real Player or something. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, serious. At like 120p. <laughs> yeah, like no high can, speed like, internet. You can like barely see what's even happening. Yep. I it's have... like postage stamp <laughs> wrestling. Does anyone have this, by the way? Does this exist? I would like, okay, if somebody had this, right? Have you heard? I don't know if you've heard about this tech, but there's like tech now that you can like AI upscale yeah, something. I've heard of it. I wonder if they could take this like postage <laughs> stamp, maybe like just... Ups, AI upscale to like 720p. Not they can't like you know Fuck some it, 480. Yeah, even if it was 480, Standard, just so yeah. that somebody could see it. Right, like, you know what that I mean. That would be good. Uh, but now we go to the Mean Gene and WCW's fake locker room, where Gene also hypes up the big LA Nitro tonight, and he says a uh, WCW will be unveiling a secret weapon that could make a rival promotion crumble. What? You won't see any of this unfold on television. <laughs> you will not see any of this unfold on television. I thought this was amazing that he said that. <laughs> and you know why? You're going to have to call the hotline. Yeah, is he serious? Like, what's the secret weapon? Like, what? <laughs> and if it's so damn good, like, they're not even going to, like, unveil it or do it? Or is it so secret? But, like, how will they win with it if they don't eventually unveil the secret weapon? Well, here's the thing, right? I looked at the results of the Saturday Night Show. I, made, I read it quick, so maybe I missed something. Mm-hmm. But uh, unless, like, Masachono was setting the world on fire, I don't know what the problem was. I oh, NWO know. Japan was the secret weapon? <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, call his fucking hotline, okay? Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're now third of the June 23rd Nitro, where Eddie Guerrero is with Chavo, your favorite coin, and Mean Gene on the ramp. And Eddie says how he's offered Chavo a chance to fight six for the Cruiserweight title. Why? He wants to give it to him. He wants to do that. And Eddie cleared it with JJ. Gene gets all huffy. What? What do you mean you cleared it with JJ Dillon or yeah. whatever? And then we cut to. Because he didn't. That's the, that's the, con- <laughs> yeah. that's the, like what they're inferring. This is Eddie turning heel yeah. is what this era is. You didn't talk to him. Yeah. You didn't fucking talk to JJ because he's an idiot anyway, JJ. Hey! Stop. JJ's powerless to do anything anyway. No, no, no. The he can, buffoon. As long as it doesn't involve the champ. Oh, wait. This does involve a championship, so technically he can't. He's a doofus. He's got to ask the fucking committee. Yes. It's ta- a terrible hierarchy there in structure. Well, I mean, the committee. No. See, here's the thing, Joe. No. I'll say this about the committee. What? Right? If the championship committee exists, Vince couldn't have, like, if in WWF, Vince couldn't have, like, fucked around with the WF belt. Remember Because he would have to go through the championship Remember committee. he did? Remember Sean Michaels outranked him at one point or something? So he, you know, I'm, he on, had more I'm the commissioner, on the board of directors, or whatever the fuck that is. Remember when Austin owned it? Yeah. Remember all of that? Mm-hmm. One of these days, a special will come out where we just do the hierarchy. I have talked about the yeah. hierarchy special for years. We will say hello, hierarchy, and we will do it. Yeah, we're gonna I, I do need, it. I need it mapped out. We we should do it like on a live thing. Yes. Where we have like we're we have like an actual map up on the screen, like, on the screen. Oh, like a um. 
like one of those like, like an org chart like an org chart and we through and, the years and we figure it out through like okay. mapping out shit and stuff okay like so then we'll finally figure it out maybe we can also do WCW while we're there maybe we'll finally figure out who's on the championship committee I want to know. Yeah. know anyway we cut to six taking on Chavo Chavo lands a high cross body to the floor because cruiserweight that's correct and while six is getting counted out Scott Hall runs in lands the outsider's edge on Chavo Good. I mean, he had no chance anyway. It's Chavo. It's like, Chavo. I, I might, might as well let Scott Hall hurry this up a little I'm bit. I'm fine uh, with it, yeah. too. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Eddie is watching from the entrance all moody. Yeah. Uh, finally, Six gets Chavo to tap out to the buzz killer. What? Yeah, what? By the way, I hate that, like, cheese breath. It's like, oh my god. He's like, Eddie's not doing anything. It's all his fault. He's so it's like, cheese. shut up. Why, did, why was he on this match? Because it was a cruiserweight match. Remember, uh, he's got to tell you what a flip is. Oh, uh, he's making him tap out to the buzz kill, Larry Zemisky. It was in the order. Like, <laughs> yeah. shut up, all of you. Well, actually, that's a, a plancha el rata <laughs> or something. I don't know. I, I, I saw it in my basement once. It could be a Dorito for all I can. Mike, today that the New World Order is doing this too much. Yeah. I turn the channel onto Raw because it's intolerable with those two. That plancha delivered from the top rope. Anyway, uh, Eddie all disappointed, Quinn. All disgusted, not even helping, yeah. like classic Eddie. Yep. And I thought he was funny here, actually. He's great. No. Just like, Eddie's awesome. Shit. Uh, back to ringside where he, the renegade is here. <laughs> and leather jacket, no face paint. Yeah. And that means you know he doesn't matter he anymore. He doesn't matter by now. Yeah. No. And he's using Mark, marvelous Mark Marrow's yeah, like, later that was theme. Odd. Yeah, yeah. It's very public domain. It is, yeah. yeah. Uh, his opponent with Jimmy Hart. It is Mang. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, this should be a squash. Yes. Uh, referee Nick Patrick here. Upgrade here with the referee mm-hmm. choice. Uh, Renegade with some kicks, but Mang is fine, of course. Big Chops karate in the corner. He boots the Renegade down. Pulls him back up. Corner whip charge, but Renegade gets a foot up. Tongan thrust puts Renegade right back down again. Good. Some mat choking now by Meng. Renegade then with some crummy punches, but Meng with an Irish whip. Sunset flip. Double thrust to block and then a boot. Meng's hair, by the way, is so proud. It is good. Yeah, right? it's it? good hair right now. Great hair. Uh, big rights by Meng. Renegade fires back those slugfest, but Meng is still fine. Huge chop by Meng. Corner whip reverse. Renegade with a handspring elbow, but Meng quickly lands these. Just kind of like brushes it off. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like get out of here. What the fuck are you doing? And the uh, tongue and throat tickle gets the win. Your winner, Meng. Now, I got to say this. What? Nobody should fuck with Meng and WCW. He is a guy that I actually legitimately thought about this after I wrote this. I was like, he never loses. No, because he never like, fights important people. Ever. No. Like, I, like sometimes he fights important people, but he Rare. doesn't lose to them. Rarely, yeah. He's Meng booked might, very well. Meng might be one of the most strongly booked people in WCW, like, on the down low. I cannot think of a time where he, like, got his ass whooped or lost or anything. I'm sure Goldberg beat him. Yeah, like and the it, they, they probably snuck it in on like pro or something. They, yeah. they didn't want to. They didn't want to show you that. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And the outsiders beat the faces of fear, right? But maybe Barbarian took the pin. Yeah, I don't know. Either and way, Mang don't lose throughout his entire run. It's like, so good. In, it, like up until like two thousand or whatever. It. I love it. Yeah, uh, Jimmy loves it too. He's all happy, of course. We go to break, and still to come is Jeff Jarrett. Why? Uh, but first. <laughs> Public Enemy plug the <laughs> WCW duffel bag. <laughs> it's 30 dollars back then. I don't know. Duffel bags are more pricey. This one looks like shit. Yeah, but it says WCW on it. So it don't should be want, less. Don't money. you want to represent? It should be Joe? twenty bucks. Don't you want to represent the big boys? I absolutely do not. Welcome to the big boy shopping network. And check out what's got off the truck this week. 
they were so good in ECW and now they're this. This is like very depressing <laughs> to know. me. It's it like is. not even wrestling. It's like, we're, we're hopping the duffel bag. Yo, yo, yo. Like it's, it's so dumb. I didn't realize that we're still there at this point. <laughs> this is like, okay, on one hand, I know that like Public Enemy was like a low, they didn't have, they can get any money and they were like, no. they were in the indies for years and like, honestly, I don't blame them for sticking around as long as they possibly could to get the most, yeah. maximum amount of money. Absolutely. Even if WWE ruined them, they were getting paid more than they'd ever get paid in their lives wrestling, right? Yes. On the other hand, I feel bad because they were actually good. Here's they the are thing. a good team. It's one thing to make them like the bushwhackers of WWE, but Here's the other thing is like, I think they deserved a little bit better than that. Even yeah. though the being the bushwhackers role, by the way, being the bushwhackers role is very good because you're an ambassador and like they can't, they don't, they're not going to fire you. you. You last a long time. Exactly. Like a hillbilly gym, bushwhackers, yeah, exactly. people like that. It's you last actually a while. Like not, if, if we look back in the history of wrestling, being in that like weird ambassador role is actually like, it's probably one of the safest positions. Yeah. Like Titus O'Neil, for example, is that like a current style of that. Yeah. Right? Like Ron it's Killings. Perfect. Yeah, Ron Killings. Like that's, if you're like getting older, that's the job you want. Randy right? Savage. Yeah, like you, well, Randy Savage. But then is, he wanted to wrestle. Right, yeah. Randy Savage, it was too early to be ambassador. If I he know. didn't want to wrestle, he would have been there forever. Yeah. If he just wanted to stay put, yeah. he could have. I don't know, somehow Bob Backlund has kept the ambassador role for years. They don't ask he him still to. works there somehow. <laughs> no, they don't ask him, he just does it anyway, I is think. It, I, I always wonder if Bob Backlund actually gets like a W-2 from the WWE every year or not. Yeah, so do a 1099, they're independent like, contractors. Or, or is he just just a like he likes to show up. I think it's both. Yeah. But anyway, let's go back to Saturday night here where we're told that the Steiner brothers are the number one contenders for the tag titles held by the Outsiders because the Steiners beat Harlem Heat. So we see clips now from Nitro where the Steiners are in the white attire. Right. Harlem Heat are in red. Mike Tenace here still extremely cheese voice here. Yeah. Horrible. Uh, Booker puts Rick down with a sidekick. Irish whip reverse. Booker knocks Sherry off the apron on Stevie Ray. Oh, poor Aww. Sherry. Man, this wasn't even Colonel Parker related, yeah. so it was just bad timing. Like, Sherry was trying to do her normal, like, she's gonna kick you in the fucking face shit. Yeah. You know, like, like her usual, right? This was not any to blame. No. This was not that situation. Just bad timing. Yeah. Uh, and that allows Rick to hit a bulldog for the win. Woof, woof. Woof, woof. <laughs> nice ending. Mm-hmm. By the way, Scott is very much in, like, pre-Papa Pump, but he's got the goatee mode. Right, Pump and Woof yeah. over here. Pump and Woof. Uh, we then cut to the Steiners uh, with Gene on the ramp, and Rick yells about how they want Hall and Nash next Monday in Las Vegas. I'm sure that's a solid L for the Steiners, by the way. Yeah, I hate the fuck. I really, I know you're supposed to because they're heels or whatever, the outsiders, but they held the titles annoyingly long. Well, the thing that was annoying is, is they would long. barely defend them, right? They also had the one belt that was broken. Yeah, like, Paul had that one, I yeah, think. Yeah, they had the broken belt, and on top of it, they seemingly didn't care that they were the tag champs, like, even yeah, in kayfabe. It wasn't good. Like, they were just like, wait, who's these guys? And then they would, like, just, it's like, we're the NWO, fuck you, and they would just, like, beat them easily. Yeah. Like, wait, you're challenging us? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but to ringside now, where Scott and Steve Armstrong wander out looking very boring. Looking jobbery. Yeah. At least they have incredibly proud Brad Armstrong theme. Did yes. you notice that? <laughs> I think it's just the generic Armstrong theme, Quinn. Yeah, that th that theme is dope. Yeah, like that is, is dope. That is one of the best WCW themes. Is it dope? Yeah, it's dope, all right. Uh, their opponents, though, are certainly not dopes. It is Wrath. And Mortis! Oh, shit. They're for Glacier Cannon incoming. Mm, that's it, right. th this exists in its own thing. James Vandenberg is with them. It's time. Anytime somebody 
outside their canon like fucks with them, it's over. Yep. It's it's a separate. You don't go into their realm. Like you don't <laughs> yeah, attack the outworld. Them. You don't the outworld that is you know the big boys play and yeah. NWO and all that. They do not interfere <laughs> or intersect. With the with the with the nether realm or whatever this whatever is, whatever this is, yeah, like, and if if you try to go in, like, I guarantee you, if like Hulk Hogan tried to enter the nether realm, he wouldn't he wouldn't make it out. He like, gets scared. Yeah, he yeah. he'd have to run away because yeah, this Mortis shit, like, no. it, it is. It's not for they, everyone. It, it it's not for everyone, right? <laughs> they exist separately, and wins and losses, they're they're weirdly like it's it's more about good versus evil. It's like kind of like He Man or something like yeah, that. This like, is not about wrestling matches, right? This is it's about the endless struggle between good and evil in the Nether realm. It's not about the pay window, right? It's not about the pay window. I don't even think Dusty mentions the pay window here. Oh, no, he's talking about Hollywood glasses and Lex Luger in the yeah. meantime. Because um, I think they don't even they might not be aware that there's a match going on because it's well, the they Nether, never are. But but mainly because it's the Nether realm, Joe. They can't like see it with their physical eyes. Which realm is it? The Nether realm. Okay. Mark Curtis is the referee. We get a bell here. Mortis and Steve Armstrong start shoulder blocks by Mortis. I'm seriously confused why these jabronis are screwing with the glacier cannon. It's not wise. Yeah. It's not advised. Yeah. Anyway, Tony recaps how the only reason Mortis and Wrath are here is to destroy Glacier. Right. Exactly. Exactly. They just do their own thing. This it's is not. They shouldn't be fighting these people. No. I'm <laughs> scared for the Armstrongs. And these aren't even the good Armstrongs. Yeah. It's like Scott Cletus Armstrong or whoever they are. It's like the ones I can never remember their names. <laughs> so Mark Cletus, Mortis backs a Cletus into the corner. That would be that would be Scott. Yeah, uh, hammers away. Tag into Wrath. That's Adam Bomb, obviously. Uh, and this is the best that Adam Bomb, Brian Clark, ever was. It was a good choice to enter this realm. Great choice. Yeah, it's also fun and chronic. But anyway, Wrath misses a forum. Scott hammers away, looking really dorky. And Wrath calmly lands a tilt oral backbreaker. Dusty says that he whirly bird of them. Okay, uh, Irish whip <laughs> kicked by Wrath. Tag to Mortis. Now who better than Mortis, Quinn? Yeah. Wrath uh, goes for an elevated power bomb, and Mortis horribly hot shot Scott on the ropes. It looked extremely poor. Joe, it doesn't it matter. It doesn't matter, Remember, though. It's their own thing. They're not here to wrestle good. They're not. They're here to defeat Glacier. That's it. Finally put an end to him. That's all it is. Yeah. That's all it is. Wrath with a choke slam, rock bottom thing. It doesn't matter for the win. And then suddenly, like, out of nowhere, Ernest Miller and Glacier storm out. Uh-oh. You know, Joe, I wonder if they saw... They saw through their, like, you know, whatever, their pool, their, their cauldron. Yeah, they their saw cauldron. this shit going on. Maybe. And they were like, Oh no, they're messing with mortals. We need to like, go, we need to go like make sure they don't cause any. They, they might fuck up like the space time continuum or some shit. Like, so you that's know why I mean? they attacked because I mean the heels didn't do anything wrong. They, they're kind of like pulling Morris and Wrath back from crossing realms. You say that can mess things up. I that, think it corrupts powers or something it, like that. Something might go wrong. Something yeah. with the, the nether regions. I don't yeah. really know. I do know this fades to a promo for Nitro, speaking of nether regions. Then we're reminded, in case you didn't know, that Bash at the Beach will be happening on the 13th of July. And this time we hype up part of the Savage DDP feud that's going on. Yeah, involving Sting with a bat also yep. or something. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, also, the Giant and the best version of Lex Luger in WCW, mm -hmm. they're going to be taking on Hulk Hogan and Dennis Rodman. And I need to mention this. The Giant doesn't have a mustache with his goatee, and it's very unsettling. I I didn't notice. It's too clean Weird. looking. I don't like it. Mm. Anyway, promotional consideration is now paid for by Push Pops. I forgot about those. Those were tasty. <laughs> Not bad. A uh, Super Soaker XBP175 <laughs> and XXP275. Weta is better. Stop.
Ring pops exist by them, whatever. <laughs> now let's go back from the ring pops to ringside, where Scotty Riggs is making his way out. American mouse, American mouse, American mouse. When does his eye fall out, Joe? Like, is this? <laughs> are we at that yet? No, that's later. When he, when he joins the flock. Once Raven's here, yeah, Raven's not here yet. He, he does the cherry chair, and he's like, "Ow, my eye!" And the, then the he, cherry chair. Yeah, he uses the chair. He like trips him into a chair. The yeah. cherry chair. <laughs> That's what it's called. And his eye falls out. Yeah. He's kind of like a younger Jim Powers in this era. You know what's a weird thing about Scotty Riggs, I will say? What? Compared to Jim Powers, Scotty Riggs is better. Yes. Even in, even in like kayfabe, he's better. 100%. He's like, he is. it's because, you know, what it, you know what it is? He won a tag belt once. So they, <laughs> like, he actually has some, like, he can say he's something. He's also a better wrestler, I think, honestly. Yeah. Like, more, more intriguing. Got better look, too. Better look, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we see a shot of a Jim Neidhart lookalike in the crowd here. Uh, for the record, the ring announcer this whole time has been David Penzer. And Scotty Riggs' opponent is the always over Jeff Jarrett. Why with the shitty barnyard music? It's His like, music stinks! <laughs> he's got the, like, he's got the Mario Kart 64, like, that track that's, like, Yoshi's, like, Yoshi's barn or Yoshi's whatever. pig fucker uh, yeah, course. Yeah, it's like, it's that course, like, it's like horrible. Like that is Jeff Jarrett's music. Uh, he's also the U.S. champion. If you're interested, we go to break where we're told that this portion specifically of WCW Saturday Night is sponsored by Extra Classic Gum. All right, we're back. Where uh, referee Mickey J calls for the bell, and apparently this is a title match. Wait, Scotty Riggs somehow earned a shot? I wonder how the championship committee made that decision. You stop it with the committee. They uh, matter. Shut Joe. up. Yeah. Uh, track to start by Jarrett and some strutting lock, lock up. Wrist lock by Jarrett. Back into the corner. Whip. Reversed by Riggs. Jarrett's up on the charge zone. A body slam. And then he lays on the ropes like he's 1995 Shawn Michaels. Uh, Riggs is not amused. Why did this guy need to keep like infecting companies, Joe? Who, Scotty Riggs? No, Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> Poor Scotty Riggs. He never even got like a second shot after like the 90s in, in WF. I mean, he's not that great. Being better than like, Jim Powers is one thing, but... He's got a good look. You, you could repackage him as something. You know the deal is with Jeff Jarrett, though? Once he finally found something that worked for him and got over, that was good. Because he is a talented wrestler, Jeff Jarrett. I'll give him that. He he's, really he's okay is. in the ring. It's he just, really is. I mean, did he really get over ever? Yeah, starting S- like 99. Slap nuts thing? I didn't like it, but he was more over mm. than he ever had been. Anyway, lock up side head like takeover by Jarrett. And he looks good here. I'm not going to lie. Another pair of side headlocks, but Riggs keeps escaping them. Come on, Riggs. I'm rooting for him here. I know. He was pretty good here. Uh, Riggs with a shove. Jericho's down. He charges drive tall hold by Riggs into a side headlock. Back up, shove off, shoulder block by Riggs. Back to the headlock. Back up, Jarrett with a drop toll, but an elbow drop misses. Good. Uh, Riggs maintains control with the headlock again. Back up after a minute now. Jarrett with a shove off duck under by Riggs. O'Connor roll is blocked by Jarrett. He lands a punch. Body slam by Double J is nicely done. By the way, the announcers are talking about Bash of the Beach. Well, I mean, it is a Jeff Jarrett match. Can you really blame them? That's not nice. Yeah. Uh, Jarrett misses an elbow and Riggs goes all the way up top. But I like the spot. Jarrett accidentally shoves Mickey J into the ropes. Riggs falls off the ropes. And Jarrett's reaction is hilarious. Even Tony's like, that was a great move. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> it was. Uh, stomps by Jarrett. Irish whip, head down, but a boot by Riggs. Off the ropes again, head down by Riggs. Jarrett with a punch. Jarrett charges, runs into an elbow. Off the ropes again, head down by Riggs. And Jarrett lands a DDT. Riggs with the amateur mistake like twice in a row. What head was down. that? Not, not good. That, that's not going to win him a US title here. No, it's not. And even Jarrett tells the camera that it's too easy. I mean, Scotty was asking for it. He doesn't know, apparently. Scotty doesn't know. Yeah, Scotty doesn't know. 
Just pin him, Jarrett, if yeah. it's too easy, please. Yeah. Uh, Tony says that Mongo's going to kick his ass if he tries to pull that shit. That's right. Mongo's <laughs> I mean, ready I, to I wrestle. Fuck with Mongo. Mongo's ready to wrestle. <laughs> Rick's still in this. Uh, both men go down off a shoulder blocked. Mickey J gets up to like a fucking eight count what with both that? men on the mat. Holy shit. That was long. And then Riggs gets a very close two count. Uh, big rights by Riggs. Jarrett's really more rights. Irish whip drop kick by Riggs. Larry in the back elbow. He's a house of mail. Like a post office. Yeah. A nice vertical <laughs> suplex by Riggs gets another close two. Can Riggs win the belt now, please? Maybe. I'm ready for U.S. champion Scotty Riggs. You never know in the WCW. second in command in WCW. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> I want a shot at Hogan. Uh, yeah, fuck Sting. <laughs> yeah. J.J. Dillon, I'm telling you directly, I yeah. want Hogan. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, Riggs goes all the way up to the top now. Jarrett's to his feet, though, and he dodges whatever the hell Riggs was going for. And a figure four gets the win, you know, because Jarrett was working the leg the entire match, clearly. Ugh. Anyway, this was perfectly fine as a match. Stinky. Yeah, you just don't like Jarrett. I know. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was weird. Lee Marshall. Yeah, not on the road. That Maybe that's why Crispy <laughs> Cruz was on the road. Right. He's in the ring. He's here on Saturday Night Cannon. Yes, for an in-ring interview. The rare in-ring. On, they <laughs> never, ever do this. Most of this shit, like, Saturday Night, you have to understand, there is never interviews, like, in the actual no. Saturday Night Zone. That shit is recorded with no talking or anything. Yeah. It's just a bunch of matches. Like, yep. the cameraman frames it and blah, blah, blah. That's and it. then they send it over, and then Dusty and Tony talk over, like, 17 of them in a row for, like, hours. And That's then they all just it put it in the can. That's literally the show. Yeah. See, Tony should have said, ain't you great? Yeah, he really should have. I agree with that. But he fucking didn't. Uh, Anyway, Jarrett, and I know he wasn't the voice yet, so don't write me any letters. Uh, Jarrett struts, and (laughs) Lee is funny. He's like, I asked you not to do that. That's pretty funny. You know, Jeff Jarrett, I I asked you not to do that. Jarrett goes on and on about the horseman. He's like, Ric Flair asked me to lead the horseman when he was gone. I still don't know why or if that really happened or how that went down, (laughs) because it was very confusing when it did. Do you remember? Yes. This Here's the thing with this angle. I guess I kind of like it a little bit in the sense that Jeff Jarrett thinks he's really good, but even the horsemen are like, no, you're not, especially yeah. Mongo, right? Yeah. And, the, and then, but Jarrett's like, they're all jealous of me. Yeah. And the weird thing also about this angle is that Ric Flair almost like feels bad for him or something. Yeah. Like he's like, I want to help this guy out. Yeah, he's like, the only one that likes him. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very strange. It's like his friend, Ric Flair, Ric Flair's like, okay, let's come on guys. Let's like give him a shot. Yeah. You know what like, I mean? He feels bad for him. Yeah. He like, it's such a weird angle. You're right. Yeah. And uh, Jarrett ends his promo saying that I am a man of the horseman because Ric Flair said so. And uh, <laughs> the weird, like, Lee Marshall just sends us home. So, all right, for Tony Schiavone and Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, he signs <laughs> off. We don't even hear from Tony nope. and Dusty anymore. I bet you Tony and Dusty were like, thank God we don't have to record one more segment. <laughs> yeah, Let's this. go to the next episode, please. <laughs> uh, so this was fine, obviously. Just a hype show for Bash of the Beach in terms of what they were pushing. But a few solid mid-car matches, plus that cannon. Mm-hmm. This has nothing to do with anything, which is what I love about Saturday. No, yeah. This doesn't affect the main show it's at great. all. But um, it sort of does, maybe. Tiny With the bit. Jeff Jarrett? I don't know. That's about it. Yeah. But this is very easy to watch. What do you think? Another WCW Saturday night, and I always somehow come away missing this kind of show. This specific shit. Type of like, show, just yeah. just fantastic B-show shit. Like, if WWE had B-shows now, I would probably watch them. Like, that were, like, worth a damn. But doesn't WWE have like a million shows that no one watches? Yeah, but they're not really like, they try to make them like, oh, they have a general manager for this B show. Like, why? Because everything needs a general manager. Yeah, now. it's like, I just want them to somehow be connected, but Better not. Better than J.J. Dillon. Yeah. What? J. Every, J. Dillon. No. He's Stop the worst commissioner. Stop on him. 
Nick Bockwinkle was much better. I disagree. Anyway. I think JJ did a lot of good work while he was there. Folks, hopefully you thought this was good work here. Thanks for being with us here for yet another week in the world of retro wrestling. We will be back, of course, next week to close out January for episode 257. In the meantime, some quick reminders. Follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email. Join the group, and I encourage you to just try for the rest of January, the Patreon, and if you don't like it, cancel. We really don't mind. It really is okay. And if you have Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, leave us a review there if you don't mind. But until next week for 257, have a great rest of your day. Have a great rest of your week. I'm Joe Murata. That's Michael Quinn, and we are out of here. See ya! Life in the 90s can just be very hectic. With everything going on, it is hard to keep up with it all. But I always set aside that special time for myself when I can kick back, unwind, and catch up with the WCW Hotline. We dirt. <laughs> Call 1-900-909-9900. Calls cost $1.59 per minute. Kids get parents' permission before calling. I love dirt. Pass the fucking potatoes!